God when it comes to being married, when it comes to being single. So have your hearts open, your ears open, and your eyes open. Because we're going to have a good time in the Lord today, okay? Well, we're getting ready to get started now. And we're going to ask Kim and Jamie Colston to come up and give us some selections. Amen. Stand to your feet and let's give God a shout out of praise. Hallelujah. I give glory to God on this morning. I couldn't get the words out, y'all. <laughs> God is so good, and he has blessed us to see a year of a singles and marriage conference. And we just give him glory, and for that, whatever he does in us, we know it's for our good. And it's only going to make us better creatures in him, characteristics of him. And we just give him the glory and the praise. Y'all know these songs, sing along with us. Because God is using us to be a blessing and he's going to use y'all to be a blessing as well. And we just want to praise him on the day. Hallelujah. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never failed me in all my days. I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing. Of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good yeah. In every breath that I am able will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkness night. You are close like no other. I know you as my father. I know you as a friend, and I will sing of the goodness of God. Come on, let's sing it. Hallelujah. Because all my life you have been faithful. Yes, he has. And all my life you have been so In every breath that I am 
of God. Come on, let's say it again. All my life, cause all my life you have been faithful. Yes, he has. Hallelujah. In all my life you have been so, so good. Yes. In every breath that I am able, I will sing the goodness of God.
complete in him we say we know but we always try to find someone or something to make us complete and that's where we mess up at so I'm gonna let this song play again um, dealing with forever and in that song it has meaning and we have to understand that when we come together we come together as one And it ain't uh, like, I don't like you, I don't want you no more. This is a forever thing. Amen? Joe, can you play that again? Tell somebody, say, forever's a long time. And yes, it is. God loves you that long. (laughs) Long time. I'll be committed to you I'll never leave you Nothing in this world could make me walk away No matter what life may bring I'll be by your side No matter what you face You won't be gone Forever is a long time That's how long I'll love you That's how 
I'm forever committed to you. Forever committed to you. God says, I'm going to be right there. No matter what your life is, I'm going to be by your side. Said, I'm going to be by your side. I'm going to be by your side. God said, I'm going to be by your side. When you're crying, I'm right by your side. Teacher, which is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome 
today. And I thank you, Father, that we have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives on the inside of us. And for that, God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. And we give you all the praise on today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. I'm going to try to condense as much as I can, and prayerfully, after this uh, conference, we can have more conferences, um, prayerfully, once a month, because I feel like it's not just going to happen in one conference, but it might happen for some. So this conference, um, ladies and gentlemen, the single and the married, is not to point fingers. It's not to say, I told you so. Because it's not about us, it's all about him. See, we want to leave ourselves out of it and we want to see him. We want to see his way of being and his way of doing. Until you can see him, you will not be who you need to be in him. So we're going to start off this conference not pointing fingers of shoulda, coulda, woulda, or I shouldn't have married you, I shouldn't even been introduced to you. We ain't gonna, we're going to leave all that out, right? We ain't going to do all of that because we don't want to play the blame games. And for you single folks, this will help you along your way for what you've been thinking about. It ain't all peaches and cream, I'm here to tell you right now. It ain't all wine me, dine me, all of that. It ain't all, you know, those things. So I'm going to start where the Lord is having me to start because this is where it started. It started in the beginning. And I believe some of us are are familiar with the beginning. And the word of God tells us in the beginning, God created. That's Elohim. He is the creator. He was in the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. And it tells us how the earth was. There was darkness that filled the earth. It was void. It was empty. And this is how our lives were before we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But we have to understand that even though our lives were in that um, messed up condition God had a plan and the reason why God have had a plan is because he loved us so much y'all and when you get to know his love and how he loves you will be able to love through him and not through yourself so we see how the world was and we see how God came in and he created it the way he wanted it to be he created everything to be good. And we know when God finished, it wasn't only good, but it was very good. Because God is a good, good God. He is a good, good father. So the first thing, after he created everything, God saved the best for last. And we're going to get to this. Look at Genesis one twenty six, And let's hear what... Um, God was saying in Genesis 1:26. We are familiar with this, but I'm going to show you some nuggets that's right here and in this verse that's available for all of us. And Genesis 1:26, and God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creep upon the earth." So in this one verse here, this is God speaking, but God is saying, let us, what he's talking about is the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. So when you look at the father and son and Holy Spirit, if you look at that the way you need to look at it, they are Trinity. They are three that make up one. I want y'all to keep focus on the one. 
There are three that make up one. Each one of them have separate operation, well, separate duties that they do, but they're still made up as one. And you can find that in 1 John, the fifth chapter, verse 7. 1 John, the fifth chapter, verse 7. It says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. These three that are one, they were operating in the beginning of creation. The Son was there, the Father was there, and the Holy Spirit was there. So all of them were working together. So now they're working together again, dealing with creating man. So God said, let us make man. Now when we look at man... You see man and people looking at man just like it's just a man. No, in man, in that word man, it is humankind. It is human being. He said, let us make man. You see man, but it represents more than just man. So he said, I want to make man in our image and in our likeness. What was God saying? He said, I want man to have our nature. I want man to have our characteristics. I want man to represent us here in the earth. In order for man to do this, they have to have our nature. They have to have our characteristics. So man was made a spiritual being. And the the Bible said God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The only way you can truly worship God is from the spirit. So man was created as a spirit being. Now in this verse I want you to notice something here that God was doing. When God was creating man, God was speaking it. So the word was being heard. So when God was speaking to man, what he was saying is the first thing you have to do and understand is man had to get to know the father. God was doing the speaking to man, so they had to get to know the father and who they were in the father. The first thing you have to understand before you go into marriage, you have to know who you are now that you're in him. You have to know your true identity and God is letting them know their true identity right here. He said, you're going to be made in my image. You're going to be made in my likeness. You're going to have my nature. That's why the Bible said, therefore, if any man be, they go man again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. Those old things, remember in the beginning when the earth was void, it was empty, there was darkness that covered the deep. These were the old things. It was towed up. It was messed up. So in us, the old thing is that old nature, that old man, the one that was rebelling against God, that old lifestyle. He said, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So in Genesis 1, 26, God is letting them know you are a spiritual being. Everything about you is good. I have made it so we can connect together. So we can be joined unto one another. This is what he's saying. So the first thing you got to recognize is your identity now that you're in Christ. Before you get married, you need to know who you are. You need to know who you really belong to. And that's the problem in marriage. And that's the problem with being single. We always want to connect to somebody or something. And we think that's what make us. But what make us is being complete in him. 
We mess up because we look at what the world is doing, what society is doing. We look at how old we are and we base our age on when we need to get married, when we need to have children. But if you base it upon the word of God and get to know who you are now that you're in him, he is my father. He's Abba father. He is the one that's there for me. He is the one that, you know, comforts me. You have to get to know him as your father. You got to get to know who you are now that you're in him. So God was letting them know right here their identity. So I want to ask you today, do you really know who you are? A man cannot make you who you want to be. A woman cannot make you who you want to be. This is why we're stuck. This is why we're stuck. It's because we're trying to find someone to complete us. And if you know you're complete in him, you're not looking in and out of different places to find someone to complete you. So God is telling them right now, he's saying, you're going to be in my likeness. You're going to be in my image. You're going to represent me. You're going to have my nature. You're going to have my way of being. You're going to have all of me in you. That's the first thing in this in verse 26. Then after God was letting them know who they were in him, letting them know that I'm your father, you belong to me. You can you are joined to me. You're one with me. And until you get that, you're not going to get anything else when it comes to marriage. And that's why so many homes are broken. Because people are still trying to find their true identity. Because they weren't raised to know who they were or who they are in him. They was raised based on society, based on what the world do and how the world does it. Have you noticed how families compare their family to other people's family? Yes, they do. Sisters and brothers, they compare their marriage to their sister, sister and brother's marriage. It's all about comparison. Comparing yourself amongst yourself is not wise. So we look at everybody else's marriage and we're saying that's how my marriage is supposed to be. You ain't staying with that person. It can look good on the outside, but they tore up from the flow up. They can be smiling. The man can be whining and dining the woman. And when he get home, he's giving her a whooping that she ain't never had before. So I'm telling you, it's not what it appeared to be. So you got to know your identity. That's the first thing. Knowing who you are in him. When you get to know who you are in him, when you get to know who, who you belong to, I'm going to tell you something. It won't be hard to come together. But until you know this, you're going to be divided. A divided house will not stand. We have divided homes because everybody have their own concept of how a marriage should be and really don't know how it should be according to the word of God. Then after God was letting them know who they were in him, their true identity. The next thing that God told them, he said, and let them have dominion. How can you have something when you don't know who you are and who you belong to? How can you use authority in the right way when you don't know who you belong to, when you don't know who you are? So after God was letting them know their identity, how they were created, then God said, let them. Now check this out. Hold on to them because remember God said, let us create man. He was not just talking about men. Okay. 
He said, let us create man in our image after our likeness. Then he go a little bit farther. He said, let them have authority. The reason why we have so many broken homes is because, and I'm going to get to this, man, men think that they're supposed to dominate women. That's not the way God created it to be. Men think that they're supposed to dominate women, and women supposed to bow down to them to the point of whatever I say goes or you go. That's not the way God created it. He said, let them have dominion. Dominion means, he said, let them have rulership. Let them be an authority. I'm giving them the right to rule and reign over this earth. God is saying that the heavens and the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. That means he's given the right to male and female. It's not only male rule, y'all. So when God looked at this, when he looked at this, he said, I'm giving you dominion. I'm giving you the right to rule and reign over all the earth. And he listed the things here that they would rule and reign over. But guess what? He did not say. He did not say, I'm giving you the right to rule over each other. That's not in the Bible. He didn't give them that right. He said, I'm giving you the right to rule and reign, to have authority over everything that I have created. This is what God was speaking into existence. And understand, in Genesis 1.26, this is a spiritual thing. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. God was speaking those things that be not as though they were. He was speaking them into the atmosphere. He said, this is how I want things to be. And he was letting them hear how he wanted things to be. He was letting them know their identity. He was letting them know their right to rule and reign. He was letting them know, male and female. So after he told them this, I want you to look at verse 27. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female, he created them. So what he's letting us know, he didn't only create male, but he created male and female. That's where those thems come in at. We get it twisted and we're thinking that God um, is saying that this is what man supposed to do alone. No, it's not. So we have to, before we go into a marriage, we're supposed to be able to know who we are. We're supposed to be complete in him. Knowing that we have everything in him. Knowing that a male, a man or a woman is not going to complete us. The only one that can complete us is God. If we just rest on that for one minute, one second, this is where we mess up at. Because we always feel like we need someone to complete us. You got to get that notion out of your head, out of your heart. God is the one that completes you. He's the one that made you. He's the one that created you. He is your father. And once you know that you are completed in him, you wouldn't be out there looking and longing and desiring a mate. You will wait on the Lord for your mate. You wouldn't be looking in different department stores and coming to church just to look for a man or a man coming to church to look for a woman. You can find them in church, but if they don't know their identity, it's just like finding them outside the church. Don't think every time you go into the church, you're going to find somebody that's going to treat you the way you need to be treated. No, Jezebels pop up in churches. You have Ahabs in churches. 
You have different people in churches that need to be transformed, that need to be changed by the renewing of their mind. So don't think that you're going to find someone in church or you're going to find someone based on, you know, oh, they talk nice, they look nice, they're what I want. I got my list of how I want this or how I want that. If they don't know who they are in him, you don't need to connect with that. Okay, the next thing that I want to go over, the first thing in those, those verses is saying God is given an identity. So you need to know who you are. You need to be complete in him. That's knowing who you are. That's what God was teaching them, who they were. And then verse 28, let's look at verse 28, what the word of God is saying. Now understand this. And it said, and God blessed them. When we look at bless, what it's saying is when God blessed them, he had given them power, power. He had given them power to do what God would have for them to do. That's what blessing means. He had given them the power, the right to do what God would have for them to do. And then the verse is going to tell you what God would have for them to do. So when we look at this, it says, let me go over bless, giving power to something or somebody to do that which they are designed or intended to do. That's what bless means. God was giving them power to um, power to something or somebody to do which they are designed or intended to do. That's what blessed is in this verse. So it said God blessed them. Who blessed them? Who blessed them? Who blessed them? It wasn't man. It was God. God did this. God blessed them and commanded them and blessed them and said to them, now be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. God said, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth. Now, I want y'all to, not to think that um, God created us just to come together and have a lot of kids. No, we're going to get to that because some people just overflowing with them, trying to fill something that ain't, mm So it says here, and God blessed them and said to them, so God's saying, now I'm going to bless you. And I'm putting a blessing upon this because this is what I want you to do. But I want you to understand before we get to this fruitful and multiply, I'm going to let you know what the purpose of marriage is. We got the wrong purpose when it comes to marriage. The purpose of marriage is oneness. It's to come together. It's a oneness. It's to be united. It's unity. That's what the purpose of marriage is. And I'm going to show you this. In the word of God is shown in the beginning. God took man, which was one. And then in man, there was what? Male and female. There was humankind. God, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. Those three are one. God is about unity, y'all. He's about oneness. So when God, the, the purpose of marriage is unity. It's oneness. It's a coming together, being on one accord. But before you can come together and be on one accord, you got to know who you are. You cannot come together on one accord if one say they save, but don't know who they are. You say, but you know who you are. A divided house will not stand. This is why you need to be taught the same thing. You need to be in agreement. You need to be unified. You need to be coming together. Up under the same teaching, up under the same doctrine. This is how God set it up. 
He set it up in unity. He set it up in oneness. God is about oneness. He's about unity. And the enemy knows this, y'all. I want y'all to understand this. Before I get to how God brought the, the male and female together, you have to get to the point of knowing who you are. They had to know who they were first. They had to be complete in him first. They had to know that they were coming from a loving father. They were coming from a loving home. He said, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So God said, I want you to be fruitful. Y'all know being fruitful and to fill the earth mean that you got to have children, right? But God does not want us to have children outside of marriage. See, I'm telling you God's way of doing things, not the world way of doing things. God's way of doing things. When you get out of the way of God's way of doing things, you got a whole mess in the earth. You got the earth filled with the world's way, the devil's way. And we're going to talk about, see, the enemy knows that God want oneness. He want unity. So what is the enemy going to try to do? He's going to try to corrupt that because there's power, y'all, in agreement. There is power in agreement. And what we have to understand, the way God set it up in the beginning, if you look in the word of God, marriage started everything. Marriage started everything. And the enemy knows that. In marriage, it was before government. It was before everything. Check your word. God set up marriage before everything, before governments were established. Before anything was established, marriage was established. This was God's way of doing things. God had a way to do it because it symbolized something. What does it symbolize? Christ in the church. Remember, y'all, we have Jesus which is the bridegroom, the church is the bride, but we're one body. One. I want y'all to catch it. Read your word. He's coming back for a church, for his bride, without spot or blemish. This is why in the Bible it says we have many members, but one body. There go you one again. See, God is about oneness. He's about unity. He's about bringing that oneness back together and it's in him in Christ is the hope of glory. So when we look at this, he blessed him. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That means that he want them to master over it. He want them to rule over it. He want them to have dominion. Remember them. So he said it, he orchestrated it in Genesis one twenty six to one twenty eight. He was speaking it. This was a spiritual thing. God was speaking this what into existence. But let's talk about this oneness. In the Bible it talks about in John twenty through twenty three. I want to read this because we need to keep focus on one, being one, coming together, joining. And I'm read out the Passion Translation. It says in John 17, 20 through 23. And I ask not only for these disciples. We know disciples are followers of who? Jesus Christ. But also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. Now look at 21. I pray for them all to be joined together as one. It's coming back to this coming together as one. Many members but one body. 
Even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one. Look how many times he's talking about joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. So in marriage, when you come in together, you come in together as one in him. Both of you are coming together as one in him. It ain't about you no more. It's about him. It's about what he wants. It's about his way of doing things. It's a, it ain't about your attitude. It ain't about because he done this to me, I'm going to do that to him. No, it's about who you are in him. It's about being one in him. You got to take you out of the equation. It ain't about what you think no more. You have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's not about who left the dishes in the sink. It's about humbling yourself just as oh come on y'all it's about one and until you understand one until you understand being united in him you're going to have a divided house and a divided house won't stand and it's time out going out looking for other things to get that feeling of I feel apart because when you know who you are in him, it doesn't matter what anybody do or say, you're getting everything from him. You're following him and his way of doing things. So Jesus was saying in 22, for the very glory you have given me, I have given them so they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. God want male and female to experience the same unity that they enjoy together as one. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to know who you are now that you're in him. Knowing that ain't about you. It's about who you are in him. And 23 says, you live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. So this oneness comes through who? Him. It comes through him. He wants us to become one with him. And then it says, and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passion love that you have for me. So we see that he's saying that it has to be a oneness. It has to be a unity. It has to be a coming together as one. It's not about you. It's about him. So in um, marriage, we don't look at what this one should have done or what this one could have done. We look at who we are now that we're in him. And our focus is not on them, but it's on him, his way of doing things. And then we'll be able to come together. So until we know who we are in him, Come on, a divided house will not stand because everybody have their way of doing, their way of being. But if it's not lining up with him, it's not going to work. So I'm going back over what I went over. The first thing you got to know is who you are in him. Before you join with anybody, connect with anybody, you want to make sure your connection is with him first and foremost. You need to quit looking for a man and a woman to complete you. Your completion, you're completing him according to Colossians. What is it? The third chapter. Let me find that for you. 
Because I want to make sure that all of us are on one accord. I want you to follow the word of God. Not only while I'm doing the teaching in here. But when you leave out of here. You need to still follow what the word of God says. Colossians 2 I believe. It says 2.11. Was not to two ten, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. So our completion is in Him. So that's the first thing you got to know. If you don't take nothing from this conference except this, you will get the rest. You got to be complete in Him. You got to know that you complete in Him. No man, no woman, no children, no dogs, no cats. None of that stuff is going to complete you. Your completion is in him. And see, we base marriage on, this is what we, we uh, look at. If I ask somebody, what is marriage? Some people say marriage is where I won't be alone. God want me to have a helpmate. I'm, I'm going to show you this in the word. I'm going to show you where we got it uh, mixed up. Some people think that when I get married, I'm going to be happy. Because I'm not going to be alone. It's not about that. Because let me tell you something, in marriage you ain't always happy, not unless you're in Christ. That that man make you mad, that woman to make you mad. Husbands, you know them women be getting on your last nerve and you got more than one. And women, you know the husbands gets on yours too. But when we're in him, we can come back together as one and we can disagree to agree. Because we're following the word of God. So we see here that you have to know that you are what? Complete in him. It's not about you. It's all about him and what he want to do in your life. So we're talking about this joining, this coming together as one. There is power, y'all, in agreement. So when we look at the Tower of Babel, y'all know in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, when they began to come together as one, they began to have one language, one speech. And they began to talk the same thing. They were acting the same way. So they wanted to build them a tower that reached up to heaven. And when God saw what they were doing, listen at what God said. God said this in verse 3. They said to each other, let us make brick and bake. Well, I'm going to go to verse 4. I'm going to go what God said. Verse 5. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people, sons of men, had built. The Lord said, now these people are united. Look at united. One, all speaking the same language. This is the only beginning. This is the on, This is only the beginning of what they will do. They will be able to do anything they want. Nothing they want to do would be impossible for them. I'm reading out the expanded Bible. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not be able to understand each other. Look what God was saying. They're, they're united. They're coming together as one. He said, and by them coming together as one, there will not be anything that they won't be able to do. He said, so we got to confuse that language. So God confused the language because he knew what they were doing was evil. So he confused it and he scattered them abroad and they couldn't understand each other. So see, that's what the enemy want, y'all. The enemy, he mimics God to benefit him. The enemy, he wants strife. He wants discord. The enemy wants conflict in marriage. The enemy wants all of these things. Why? Because he knows there's power in agreement. 
He know that when you come together as one, he know things are going to be began to change. They're going to be began to shift. So God want us to be united. He want us to be one. He want to come in together. That's what marriage is about. It is unity. It is about coming together. It's about oneness. That's what God was looking for in marriage. And it symbolized the church. Christ is the bridegroom. We're the church. He's coming back for the church without spot or wrinkle. So God want us to be united to him. Amen. So we're learning about this oneness. Let me give you another scripture. A few more. Amos 3, 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? There's no way in marriage that you can walk together unless you, unless you agree. Then in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, two are better than one. Y'all get it? Because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he have not another to help him up. Again, if, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? See how he's saying two together, they have heat, but they're coming together as one. They're helping each other. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So just like the disciples, how did he send them out? In twos. Why? Because they were working together, becoming one. Because they were taught the same thing. They were one body. So that's what he want in marriage. He want one. He want unity. He want to come in together. Why? Because it's representing, it's symbolizing the church. It's symbolizing the bride. The bride is that woman. Jesus is the bridegroom. Come on, all through the Bible, what was Jesus, God saying? Israel was committing adultery against him. Israel was having other gods, putting other gods before him. Why was he doing this? Because he was letting us know this is not how I intended for it to be. So it's a oneness. It's uh, coming together in marriage, being on the same accord. Do not go into marriage trying to say, I need somebody to complete me. I want somebody because everybody else have somebody. That's what, that's not what marriage is about. Don't just go into it hastily trying to fulfill what you think you don't have. Some of us say, I have a void in my heart and I just can't feel it. But when I get around this certain couple, it makes me feel so good. So I believe that's what God wants. He wants me to have that same man that she has, a man to love me, a man to care about me, a man to hold me. Come on, if you have not been with Jesus. If you have not got intimate with Jesus, you're not going to know how that man should be. You're not just going to pick up anything just because it looked good, smelled good, and it's talking right. You don't do that. So we want to make sure that there's agreement. We want to make sure that you on one accord with that man and that woman and that man is on one accord. So we talked about oneness. I'm going to move a little bit further because I'm going to stay in Genesis because everything you need is sitting right here in Genesis. This is the way God intended. If you um, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the word unto you, he will open up and show you God's intentions right here in the book of Genesis in the beginning. Marriage is right here in the beginning. So we see how God created them in his likeness and in his image. So we talked about you being complete in him. You having everything 
coming through him. So this is a oneness. This is um, unity. But guess what God did? After God spoke this, this was a spiritual thing, y'all. Remember, he was speaking, but you didn't actually see what God was saying. But God knew everything the way he wanted it to be. But guess what God did next? The next thing that God did, he said, they are spiritual beings. They are male and they are female. He said, but they are one. He said, so this is the next thing that I'm going to do. Go to Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Man still is talking about male and female. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So what God did, he needed a body. Now check this out. We know his father, son, and Holy Spirit. Three, right? So God had them in the spirit. You cannot see a spirit. Can you not? The things that God wanted them to do, they could not do it being spiritual beings. So what God had to do, he had to create a body. How did he create that body? From the dust of the ground. But that body had no life. It was just the body. So God said, I need to breathe into that body in order for that body to move, in order for that body to, to live, it need to have life and that life need to come from my spirit. So the same spirit that I created them to be, I'm going to blow it into that body and that body is going to become a living soul. You're nothing without God. Did anybody understand that? Without God, you just dead. Because it's life coming from him. So God created that man from the dust of the ground. But I want you to catch something. Remember God had already spoken to male and female. In Genesis 1, 26 through 28, he didn't only speak to them, but he told them what he wanted them to do. Did he not? He told both of them what he wanted them to do. He spoke it. This is how I want it to be. For a male and for a female. Guess what he created? He created male. He created female. He didn't just go ahead and create male, male. Catch it. He didn't create female, female and then give them these commands. He created male and female. This is God's way. And now I'm going back over here because the Holy Spirit is reminding me of something. Let me say how good God is. Y'all, everything is right here for marriage. God instituted marriage right here in the beginning. He gave, um, he was saying how it's supposed to be with male and female. But then after God blessed them and said, this is what I want you to do, they were spirit beings. So how can they do what he wanted them to do being a spirit? Understand this. Being a spirit. How can they do what God was telling them to do? Because they don't have a body. God needed a body. So he created that body. But before he created the body, he told them everything that they had in him. Y'all got to get this. Before he created the body, he told them everything that they had in him. They already knew what they had in him. He even gave them what they needed to eat. They were in lack of nothing. God made everything in that garden to benefit man because God had a plan. So after he made the man a living soul, guess what you got? Spirit, soul, and body. There go your three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three makes one. Go back to that one man. 
So then after he did that, guess what God did? He took that man. He put him what? In the garden. He said, I'm going to put you in this garden to guard it and keep it. So man worked. (laughs) Y'all, man worked. The Bible says if a man don't work, he don't what? Eat. Now, we ain't only talking about a man. We're talking about a woman, too, because let me tell you something. Before you get connected with a man, women have to know how to work, don't they? They have to know how to keep house. We're going to get into all of that. But he put the man in the garden, and when he put the man in the garden to keep it, to dress it, God gave this man a command. He told him, y'all know this. You can eat from every tree in the garden except from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why did God tell him this? He said, because if you eat from that tree, you're going to surely die. He said, you're going to die a spiritual death. It wasn't a physical death. It was a spiritual death. So God was letting him know what not to do. And God gave them a choice right then. You have the right to choose. He give you the right to choose. He's not going to take that choice from you. So when he put him in there, he told him that this is what I want you to do. And then it goes on to say, and I'm getting to verse 18. And we're going to move forward deeper into this conference. Verse 18 said, and the Lord God said, it's not good. You hear what he said? It's not good that man should be alone. Now, let me tell you about this alone because some people are tacking on to this and saying, see, he want me to have somebody. He don't want me to be lonely. That's not what God is talking about. That's not what he's talking about. Because if you are complete in him, you ain't worrying about having nobody else. You may have some desires or things may start flurring up, right? But if you complete in him and God has given you everything in him, you're not looking for nobody else to complete you. So it was not that Adam was lonely. He wasn't lonely because everything God created was good. If God never gave him nobody, he still would be all right because he's complete in him. God want all of us to be complete in him and not trying to get nobody to complete us. So he said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. What God was saying, I'm going to make him somebody that's suitable for him, that can be compared to him. What is he saying? He's not saying because he's lonely. He said, let me read this to you. Let me, let me read it out of another version. We're in 2.18. I don't want to move too fast. We're talking about... Then the Lord said, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper in the sense of a partner. God was making him a partner, an ally. And it says, who is right, suitable for, corresponds with him. God wanted to give him a partner. He wanted to give him somebody that would correspond to him with the way that God is doing things. With the way that God would want things to be. It's not that Adam was lonely, y'all. Because it tells you, if you go back in that verse, it says in verse um, 20, And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the fowls of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help meet for him. So everybody had a partner. But Adam did not have a partner. So God was giving Adam somebody that was suitable for him, not an animal. Hello, somebody. We're going to go deep. He didn't give him an animal. 
He said, I'm going to give him somebody that's suitable for who? For him. Not representing an animal, but suitable for him. I ain't giving him no donkey. I ain't giving him nothing else but somebody that's suitable for him. So what am I telling you? You want somebody that's suitable for you. And God only knows who's suitable for you. So if you're developing your relationship with him, you're not going out there and getting anybody because somebody broke your heart and they're fulfilling the void in that broken heart. They're putting the heart back together again. You remember the Bible says that um, Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. And when he fell off the wall, all the king horses and all the king men couldn't put him back together again. But God can put you back together. God can make you whole again by letting you know, reminding you of who you are now that you're in him. All of us have been hurt by somebody, whether it's been by your parents, whether it's been by a friend or boyfriend, a husband or wife. But the only one that can heal your broken heart and bind your wounds up is God. That husband can't do that for you. The only one that can do it is God. So we see what God is saying. I'm going to make somebody suitable for him. But guess what God did? Now this is where I'm going to go. Let's look at um, verse 21. So the Lord caused the man to sleep very deeply. Deep sleep fell on the man, Adam. And while he was asleep, God removed one of the man's ribs from his side. Then God closed up the man's skin at the place where he took the rib. The Lord used the rib from the man to make a woman and then he brought the woman to the man so what did he do eve was already woman was already in man she was right there by his side women we're by their side to help them to fulfill what god has well let me go back when we walk alongside of our husband and both of us know that we're complete in him both of us are doing a work unto him and not unto ourselves We're right there, helpers of one another. So a woman is there to help a man. A man is there to help a woman. And some things a woman can do that a man may not can do physically. Some things a man can do that a woman cannot do physically. But we're there as one to help one another. It ain't about, you know, I can do this and you can't do that. It's about a coming together, being as one. So this is what God did. He brought the woman to who? So let's quit trying to go find somebody. Let's quit looking for a man on women. And and men, let's quit looking for a woman. Because if we're complete in him, guess what? They'll pop pop up out of nowhere. And it may not be, you know, how we want them to be. But God knows who we need to be with. So when we go to how God did that, and listen to what the man said. And the man said, now this is someone whose bones came from my bones whose body came from my body. At last, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I will call her. She will be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now listen what he said. I don't recall a father and mother being in this scene. Do you? So this had to be revelation coming through. So a man will leave his father and mother and be united, joined with his wife. And listen at this, we're going back to one. And two will become one body. The man and his wife were naked, but they were not ashamed. So where am I going? We leave and cleave. 
That means, I'm going to tell y'all something, in a marriage it's not about mom and daddy no more. Husband and wife is first. If you're in a marriage and you're putting your mom and daddy before your husband and your wife, you're out of order. That's not the order that God intended for it to be. You join unto your wife now. You know how when a dad bring the wife down the aisle, that's his last walk with that woman or telling that woman. Now, we respect our parents, but that husband have right now, women. So when that dad is bringing you down that aisle and then that husband take that daughter from that dad, what did the dad do? Sit down. That mean the daddy out the picture. The mom is out the picture. See, this is why we have broken marriages because men, some of y'all put your mama, your daddy, your sister, your family before you put your wife. That's not right. That's not God's order. You leave and cleave. That means now you're joined unto your wife. That means you're one unto her. You are one flesh. She come before. It's Christ. It's the husband, the wife, the children, then the church. It's an order in the home. And if that order is not kept in the home, it's no blessing that's going to come upon it. Because the Bible saying God blessed them. That means blessings come upon things when it's in alignment with what the word says. When you're lining up with what the word says, the blessings are already commanded, but they're not going to be poured up out until the alignment comes together. So it's no more mom and daddy. It's husband and wife. There is a joining, a coming together. So Adam recognized this. He recognized this is woman. She come from me. I have to protect her. I have to be here for her. So that's that point. Now I'm going to Genesis 3. Everything you need is right here in Genesis. If you take the time to see how God ordered things to be, you will see it's right here in Genesis. And Genesis 3, so we see that they were in the garden. Now look at this, y'all. They were in the garden. Everything God created was good. So Eve is thinking that serpent was good, but the enemy was using that serpent. Why was that enemy in that garden? Because the enemy knew, if I can divide this marriage, which God established, because marriage was stronger than anything, because God had established it, he had put it together. Why? Why did God do this? Because he wanted oneness. He wanted unity. He knew it was power and agreement. God knew that by them coming together, they can do what I have commanded them to do. And it's going to be more of me upon this earth. God wanted um, more of him here on this earth. He wanted his kingdom, right? So the enemy came in. How did he do it? How did he divide and conquer? Through deceit. So see, the enemy will come into your marriage and he'll divide and conquer through deception. And if you don't know who you are in him, and if you don't know what the word of God is saying, a home will be tore up through deception. What did he do? The first thing he have to do is make you feel like you don't have enough now that you're in him. He wants to make you feel like you're not complete in him. He wants you to feel as if the world have more to give you than God has given you. How did he do this? He used what God created. He used the very tree that God told her not to eat from. And then there was the lust of the eye. There was the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. These are the three things he used. 
And when he got Eve's attention off of what God said, she placed her attention upon what she could not have and felt like God was withholding something from her that she really needed. The enemy said, have God really said? See, he's twisting the word. What does he do with us? He Did God really say that? How you know God have said that? So Eve began to focus on that tree. And as she focused on that tree, guess what the devil knew? If I can get one of them, I'm going to get the other. Both of them knew that they should not have eaten from that tree, right? But Adam wanted peace in his house. So to have peace in his house, (laughs) he went on and ate that forbidden fruit. Men, you do not understand. God spoke to Adam and told Adam, do not eat from that tree. So I'm pretty sure Adam had to tell Eve, right? Or Eve already knew because Eve was already inside of Adam when God was speaking to him. But Eve began to give him the fruit. He took the fruit. And guess what happened? That's when broken home began to start. Everything began to collapse. Then their eyes came open. They were aware of sin because God said, who told you you were naked? They began to hide from God. They began to try to put fig leaves upon themselves because they knew they were naked and they were ashamed. So all of this shame, all of this fear, sin was coming in the household. So they were trying to cover their own self up. That's self-righteousness. They're trying to fix it. So God said, who told you you were naked? God knew that they had eaten from that tree because they only knew good. So they were hiding from God. So guess what happens? When you go outside of what God wants you to do in a marriage, there's a blame game. They begin to blame each other. The first thing the man said, the woman you gave me, women... Why is it always us? You had a choice to eat that fruit. You chose to eat that fruit. She didn't, Eve didn't make him do nothing. She didn't cram it down his throat. She just gave it to him. And he took it from her. Because that was his wife. But he rather obey man than God. Is that not what happens? So Adam knew what was right. But he chose his wife over God. And that should never happen. Why? Because God should be first place in a marriage. He chose wrong instead of choosing God's way. So both of them began to have the blame game. Who did she blame? She blamed the serpent. But guess what the serpent did? He didn't blame nobody. He already got what he wanted. The enemy already got what he wanted through the serpent. So the enemy really don't care who get the blame. He said, I'm just being rewarded. Now I got authority. Now that marriage... That you have set up. Oh, y'all, this is getting good. See, this was orchestrated by God. He knew there was power in agreement. He knew that God was um, bringing them together. They were coming together. There was a joining. He was breaking that. How did he break that? By making them feel like they didn't have everything that they needed in him. That's what the enemy does to us. He makes us feel like we don't have everything we need in God. So we go out and try to find in and everybody to complete us. And that's not the way that God has created it to be. So we need to be careful when it comes to trying to find things on our own without making God a part of it. This is why we seek ye first the kingdom of God, his way of doing things, his righteousness, and all of these what? Things shall be what? Added unto us. 
So everything will be added unto us when we're putting God first. Because God already commanded, what? The blessing. When we look back at this, we're in Genesis 3. So we know that sin came into the world, right? So what God had to do. But let me tell you what he told the woman. He told the woman, you know, she would have pain in childbearing. But he also told her, your desire, your longing would be for your husband. But he will rule over you. You know what God was telling Eve now? God was telling Eve, you want to control your husband, but your husband is going to be the one that rules over you. That's why we have Jezebels. See, because when God in this garden, both of them were working together. But God had a headship in that garden. The headship was Adam. On your job, have y'all noticed that you have um, different levels of authority? According to the job that you're on, you know, you have, when I worked at the hospital, we had the CEO, CFO, then we had the director dealing with the finance, then we had a supervisor. So everything came from the top on down. So you had levels of authority. So in my department, I would run that department and they would know that I was in charge. But being in charge, I had to keep the way that it was already orchestrated in the beginning from the top. So in a marriage, the man is the head, not to dominate the woman, but he's there to lead the woman. He's there to guide the woman in the right way. And it's according to the word of God. So Adam was her headship. He was the one that would watch over her. He was the one that would protect her. He was the one that would make sure everything was carried out the way it's supposed to. Not that Eve did not know how it needed to be carried out, but she knew she had someone that was her covering, which was her husband. So that's how it's supposed to be. But all of that changed when sin came into the world. Now I want to go into another part. I want to go into submission in marriage. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Dealing with submission. And what does it mean to submit? How can we submit when we're not submitting to God? Everything, y'all, starts with God. It started in the beginning. When you submit to him, you come up under. What what does the Bible say? Um, The scripture on coming up under the mighty hands of, of God, and you shall be exalted in due season. In due season, So we're up under him. That don't mean that we're above him. God is to be exalted. God is to be praised. So when we obey God, when we learn how to submit to God, we can submit to one another. Submission is both ways. It's not just men, woman, you're going to submit to me. That's what you're going to do. No, that's not how it works. Submission starts with God. If we can submit to God, we will be able to submit to those that are in authority. But it starts first in our home. Women, you do not come into a church and submit to any pastor and cannot submit to your own spouse. You don't do that. Oh, we're going to get deep here. See, when you spend time with God and you know God's way of doing things, you ain't looking at how somebody treats you and then you're going to treat them well because they're treating you well. When they treat you bad, you still treat them well. Why? Because you're doing it the way God wants you to do it. You're not doing it your way. If they're talking nasty to you, you don't talk nasty to them. Come on, so the scriptures is going to back it up today. This is why things are so tore up. Single people, wait on your mate. Do not get in a hurry. Trying to find a man. 
Don't get in a hurry trying to find a woman because once you got them, you got them. It's not just, you know, God was telling me this. He said, um, people change um, people just like they change clothes and shoes. How can I say that? Because when you get tired, y'all look at society, the world. When you look at the celebrities, one minute they're with this man, the next minute they got another man, the next minute they got another man, then they say, I done had all these, so I'm going to go back to this man who I had in the beginning. People change mates because they're not satisfied. Because they're saying, I'm not getting what I need from that person, so I'm going to go to another person, and that's some of the things that we're going to talk about. I know, y'all, this is a lot of teaching. It's going to be a lot of scriptures, but it's going to help you in the long run to help you to understand the way that God created marriage, the way he would have for it to be, not the way that man say it should be. So we need to know what we have, who we are, before we bring somebody else into, you know, our home or anything else. So submission in marriage, what does it mean to submit? To be subject, to subject oneself to, to obey. That means you being subject to that person to obey. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. I'm reading out the expanded Bible. Yield, submit, be subject, yielding, submitting to each other out of the reference, respect, and the fear and awe for Christ. So we submitting to each other out of reference for Christ. So when I submit to my husband... I'm submitting to him because I submit to God. If I already submitted to God, I ain't going to have a problem submitting to him. I'm going to get deep because I know some questions in people's head. So he's going to submit to me because I'm submitting to God. He know I'm not going to lead him in the wrong way. Y'all, your life speaks for you. The way you um, answer each other, it, it, it speaks it speaks volumes. So it goes on to say, wives, yield to, submit, be subject to your husbands. Y'all hear this? Your husbands. Your husbands. Your husbands. Your husbands as you do to the Lord. Okay, let's start right there. Some of us women say, I ain't submitting to him. Well, you ain't submitting to God either. Because that's not the way that God have it. Now I'm getting somewhere. Women, we submit as they submit to the Lord. Let's catch this. You ain't going to submit to sin. Nobody should submit to sin. If my husband is out of order and not according to the word, I'm not going to submit to that. He knows that. I love my husband, but I submit to God first. And if I have a relationship with God first and I know the way that God is doing things, if my husband is telling me to do something outside of the word of God, I will humbly say, honey, sweetie, babe, I can't submit to that. That's not what the word says, but I'm going to speak truth in love. I don't submit outside of the word of God. I don't submit the sin. I'm not going to do anything outside of what my father does. That's what Jesus said. He said, as I see him do. That's what I do. He said, I only do what the father does. What husband that say he know Jesus would have a wife doing something outside of the word of God. That means he don't know his father. What wife would have a husband doing something outside of the will of God. That means that wife don't know Jesus. 
It's, it's going all back to him. The way he wants things to be. So we want to submit according to the will of God. The Bible says, wives, yield to, be subject to your husband as you do to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife. As Christ is the head of the church. So there need to be a head in the family, right? There need to be someone that leads that family, that guides that family. It's not that the husband should dominate that wife. But he should be head in that home. And women, we should respect the head in that home. We should not be coming back at that husband if that husband is leading us in the way that we need to be led. He's head in that home. Adam was created first. And guess what? When God put him in that garden, guess what? He was in that garden to work that garden. Adam was already having a place for Eve. Women, why you want to get with a man that's still in mom and daddy house? He's supposed to leave and cleave. You know supposed stay what women want to go to a man's mother father's house that's telling you that man ain't a man yet he's still with mom and daddy he's still looking for mom and daddy to fulfill his needs and then gonna bring a a wife in there to fulfill her needs and they think they're gonna live happily ever after no you're not then the wife's going to tell the husband, you need to tell your mama to quit talking to me like that. You need to get out of the mama house. You need to tell your daddy to quit looking at me like that. See, all of this is going to break up those families. Why? Because it's out of order. That's not how it's supposed to be. Women do not get with men that don't have nowhere to lay their head. Men are going with women to live off women now because they own the system. That ain't godly. That's not God's way of doing things. Come on. You don't want to marry a man that don't want to work. That want to live off of you because you getting food stamps and you getting everything else. Baby, when them food stamps coming in, the fellas coming over here later, we want to watch the game. You got them food stamps. We need some chip and dip up in here. This is what's happening in society and people say this is right. And by the way, baby, I need a new pair of Jordans. When when you going to get that check? Baby, the lights didn't come on today. Did you pay the light bill, baby? Baby, I get it taken care of. You know I always look out. Oh, please. Baby, if you love me, you wouldn't have me in the dark. Baby, if you love me, you go get some more hours. Baby, if you love me, where my food ain't cooked. Oh, Lord Jesus, somebody need to hear this. That's because that woman, evidently she didn't have a father here on earth that showed her how it's supposed to be in marriage. Y'all, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. God sets it up the way it's supposed to be. We This ain't Burger King. Have it your way. Come on, we're doing things out of order. We're thinking, well, he's the only one that accepted me. No other man want me. God wants you. God loves you. You were his from the beginning. So we see, we only submit to the will of God, the way God wants things. And some people disagree, but I don't submit to sin. I don't submit out of the order of God, the way God wants things to be. 
And then it goes on to say, husband is the head. And he is the savior of the body, which is the church. As the church yields, here, here it go, submits, is subject to Christ. So you wives should yield, submit, be subject to your husband in everything. Look, that everything hurts, doesn't it? How can you be subject to a man in everything when he don't know how everything should be? That's why it breaks it down a little bit more. How, women, can you marry a man that don't know how to pay bills? And you're going to be subject to him gambling and wasting money. I don't be subject to that. I can't be in agreement with that because I'm going to be in the dark just like you. And I ain't going to be living in the dark all my life. And I'm not going to be going to uh, borrow from Peter to pay Paul or going to my daddy all the time, getting him to take care of me and you. Daddy, um... I need some gas money. Well, baby, what about your husband? What about him? Daddy, don't you love me? Yeah, I love you. And I'm going to repent for, for giving you away. To the one you shouldn't have been with. I shouldn't even walk you down the aisle. I should have ran away with you. Why am I saying all of this? Because we look at marriage based on how we feel or based on how we was raised. Y'all, the way I was raised, when my mom died when I was three years old, and my dad, I give God glory because it was uh, God's plan and purpose for me. My dad was young. I think he was like 23 years old. My mom had already told his mother that she wanted her to take us. So my dad's mother took us into her home and dad turned us over to them because he knew at the time he couldn't deal with two young girls. And in that home, y'all, my granddaddy, he was a, an awesome man of God. He, he was a pastor. He was walking in the fivefold. And I mean, he trained us in the way that we should go. Now, my daddy was in the picture, but he was not in the picture like my granddaddy and my grandmother was. And what I saw in that home, I saw the love of God. I saw how a husband should treat a wife and how a wife should treat a husband. I saw my granddaddy always providing, bringing in the bacon, and grandmama would distribute the bacon. See, I want y'all to understand order in a home. Granddaddy would make the, the money, and then the money would come to grandmother, and then she would spend it on what was needed in that home. So they work together as one. I never had heard them raise their voice at one another. I would always hear grandmama say, well, Arthur. And he would say, Louise. Okay, Arthur. You know, they were just so humble and, and complimenting one another. And they would show you how to spend your money. They would show you what to do with your money. Granddad would always talk to me about men. He would always say, you know, a good woman, you find her at home. I said, Granddaddy, who going to find me out here? He said, a good woman, you find her at home. And I'm like, I got to get out there for somebody to see what they're going to find. He said, a good woman. He always brought the word in. He always told you what the word had to say. Even if you didn't want to hear it, when his children came in the house and they were raised their voice, he said, wait a minute, you got a home? Daddy, you know I got a home, go to it. Because as for me in my house, 
He raised them in a godly fashion. They respected him for who he was. He showed them how a good father should um, be in their home. He showed them if a man don't work, they don't eat. They went by what the word said. They didn't condemn you. They gave you a choice. He didn't make us go to church. He told my grandmother, he said, Louise, he said, if church ain't in the heart, I don't care if they're sitting in the church. It's just like they're not there. And I remember a grandmama saying, Arthur, tell them to go put on them a dress to get over there in the service today. He said, Louise, let me tell you something. He said, God is coming back for a church without a spot or a wrinkle. He said, when God come get them, he ain't coming after the clothes. He's coming after the heart. So if they went over there butt naked, and I don't want them to, he said, and their heart is right, they're going to go be with Jesus. Come on, somebody. When he gave her the word, she submitted to the word because she knew what the word said outside of how she felt about me having on a nice dress. That's what I heard. When I saw my grandmother down and out and sick, I saw my granddaddy right there by her side for better, for worse, for sickness and in health, for rich or poor, unto death done them part. They were by one another's side. See, we're missing what marriage really is because we're lonely. We need somebody to make us happy. See, the whole key of this whole conference is submitting to God When you submit to him, you ain't having no problem submitting to those that are in authority. First, it starts in your home. It don't start in the church. It starts in the home because you are the church. This is a building. This is where we come to fellowship, to be on one accord, to make that one body of who we are in Christ. And I hear this in my spirit. Women, if you shut up sometime and just listen. A man can't get a word in edgewise because we think we know everything. You know what we're doing to the headship? We're belittling the headship. So the headship don't want to take that head no more because we done chopped it off. We're trying to turn the head every which way but loose, the way we want it to go. That's what we do. And then we, we, we know what we're saying is right, but we want the man to bow down to us instead of saying, baby, you're head. But can I make this suggestion to you? Let, let's, let's go on what the word is saying today. See, some of us don't want to submit because we ain't submitting to Christ. When you submit to him, you don't have a problem submitting to one another. Until you submit to him, you're not going to submit to one another or nobody else. We get on these jobs and our bosses tell us what to do and we act like we're the boss. Then we do it, but we do it with the wrong motive. That's why, because we're not submitting to God the way we need to. Wives, we have to submit to our husbands as unto the Lord. So if we submit to the Lord, we submit to him. But we don't submit to what's not right. We don't do that. We submit according to the word. Now let's get to the husband. He ain't leaving nobody out because we're one. We're one. We're making up one in a home. And guess what's happening? I ain't even gotten to the children yet. The churn, as they say. We can't even bring the children in here. We having children and we still acting like children. We don't even know how we should carry ourselves. But we're telling the woman, lay there. Bring them out, baby. Bring them out. But we acting like children ourselves. We're not loving one another. But this is what we say. If I had a child. 
I can love that child the way I wasn't loved. I can give to that child what I didn't have. It's not time for you to have a child. Because if you don't know who you are, we don't need to bring nobody else into that marriage and making those children grow up the way we are. That's a broken home. That's what the enemy wants. He wants broken homes. How can our children model us when we don't have it together? Then they grow up with hate in their heart against us because of the things that we should have done that we didn't do. The lifestyle that we're living and we're thinking our kids don't know it. A child know what's going on in a home. A child know when there's love in a home. Next thing is, so wise we submit to our husband as unto the Lord. We look at that husband as being head. Oh, I'm going to get there. Some people say, how can I look at my husband as being head? He ain't saved. How can I love a husband that don't love me? Because you know the love of God. You unlovable, but he died for you. See, we don't treat people any kind of way just because they treat us in a certain way. We do it according to the word. Listen at what it says to husbands. Wives probably say, get to it, pastor, get to it. Tell it, pastor, he need to hear this. He need to hear this. Let me go back to you. You ain't got you yet. I can't even leave off the wives because you waiting for the husbands to get tore up. I ain't submitting to that man. We'll come back round. Husbands. Woo, I'm going to get you today with the help of the Lord. Listen to what they say about husbands. Y'all listen. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'm just going to put Stop right there. Stop right there. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Eh. Stop, son. You cannot love your wives as Christ loved the church if you don't know how Christ loved the church. If you ask the man right now, how did Christ love the church? Oh, 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 oh. Um, 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 let me think. The Bible tells you how he loved the church. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. What did he do? He laid down his life. See, Christ loved the church so much, it wasn't about him no more. Uh-oh. Love don't make it about you. Mm-mm. The love that Christ had for the church was unconditional, men. It meant that I love you so much, baby, if you don't never cook for me, it ain't going to change my love. Because the love I have is unconditional because it's in him. Baby, if you don't never say you love me, it don't make no difference. I'm going to love you with the love of Christ because he loved me even while I was yet in sin. He demonstrated his love for me. Why? By laying down his life for me and I was still a sinner. Baby, I'm going to love you regardless. That go for both male and female, husband and wife. 
We don't go on what they do or what they don't do. Unconditional love for God is saying you don't have to do nothing to to get me to love you. I'm going to love you outside of what you do or what you don't do because that's what Christ does. That's why you got to develop your relationship with him before you go into a marriage. Because when you go into a marriage, you're going to have some things that pop up, that pop out. And the only way you can handle it is through the word of God. You're going to have some secrets that pop up that they didn't tell you about. You're going to have some lookalikes that come in your house that look like the, da- the, the daddy and look like the mama. And you know it didn't come out of you. You're going to have some stuff that you ain't told them before that's going to pop up out of the woodwork. Let's see if you know how you connected to him now. Let's see what you do in the midst of affairs that you don't know nothing about. And that affair pop up and knock on your door. And say, hey, is your husband home? Who are you? Who are you? Well, I'm his wife. Who are you? I'm the one that he's been seeing every night. That's who I am. I just want to see where he was coming to because he told me he wasn't married. So how are you going to love him? You holy than thou. You in the church saying hallelujah. My husband and my wife. Now who is she now and who is he now? Hmm? See this is why. We go right back. To being complete in him. Knowing who you are in him. So when things pop up. You will do what he does. Not what you want to do. Shoot him dead. So see, it said, husbands love your wife just as what? Christ loved the church. If you don't know how Christ loved the church, you can't love your wife in that way. Women, you can't expect that husband to love you in that way. Because they don't know how Christ loved the church. He he gave himself for the church. So he can sanctify it. Husbands, you sanctify your husband through the word. The word is what cleanses. When you use the word and you live according to the word, what are you doing? You're sanctifying your wife just as Christ sanctified the church. What woman would not want to follow a man that's lining up with him? A woman that don't want to follow a man that's lining up with him got some issues, y'all. She don't know the word of God because if that husband is there for that wife, loving that wife, protecting that wife, Doing everything that the word says for him to do concerning that wife. And that woman is still acting like a Jezebel. So husbands, you're supposed to protect her. You're supposed to lift her up when she's down. When it comes to the... And it's the same thing with the wife. When one is down, the other lift the other one up. Regardless of what's going on. You're there for one another. You are one. You are one. So that's the husband supposed to love the wife just as Christ loved the church. So men, you need to know how Christ loved the church so you can love your wife in that way. Christ is not going to put heavy burdens on the church. He took them. He took. I'll go there. I'm going to go there. Go with me to Matthew. Somebody need to hear this one. Matthew 29, 11, 29, no, 28. 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lonely, lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, when you come unto Jesus, he take everything. He take everything, but the thing is, he said, learn of me. Husbands, when you learn of him, when your, hus- when your wife is burdened, when she got a lot going on, you taking that burden upon yourself because you don't want to see that wife in that state. So you taking that upon yourself and you're there with your wife. You giving her the word of God to lift her up, to strengthen her. You're not leaving her in that state. You're not closing the door and walking off. You begin to be right beside your wife. You begin to pray for your wife. You begin to speak life into your wife. It's the same thing with the husband. When the husband is down, I remember this lady told me this. It hurt so bad when she said it. She was telling me that her husband was going through. Now he was there for her when she was going through her bouts. He was always there for her. She was going through a deep depression and the husband was there for her at all times, trying to make it better for her. He didn't know the word the way he needed to know the word, but he loved his wife. He was there being there, buying, doing things for her. When she got over that bout, she said the husband was in the bed. He was hurting. He was moaning and groaning. She told him, look, I got to go do so-and-so tomorrow. You need to go in the other room. Come on. He was doing her the way that she needed to be done because he loved his wife. But because she felt like she needed sleep because she had to get before the people, she didn't want to deal with her husband going the other. That's not how it works. We're supposed to be there for each other. If my husband is up, I'm up. If I'm up, my husband is up because we are one. And the enemy don't want us to come together in prayer and be one because we're going to shut him down. He hurt, I hurt because he, we are one flesh. When something is going on with him, he don't have to be in the house with me. I can feel it. When something is going on with me, he don't have to be there with me because he can feel it. And when we come together and we begin to agree, we putting the devil to flight. Do y'all hear me? Because we know how it's supposed to be. We are one. Oh no, you don't, you don't talk about my husband like that. This is what we do. I can talk about it. But you don't talk about it. I know sometime in counseling sessions when I'm talking to the, the wife and she's beating that man up, man. She's beating him up. Boom, 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 boom. Now, let me, let me say this. Let me say this. If you have been in counsel with me, don't go back to yesteryears and say, she's talking about me. You don't know who I'm talking about. I want to get this clear because the enemy will try to pounce on you and say, uh-huh, she bringing my relationship up in the church. I ain't called no name. I'm just telling you. So that wife pounces on that husband, just pounces on that husband. What that husband should do, what that husband should, should, da, 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 da. So I'm sitting there listening. And as I'm listening, I'll go back to the word of God. And I'll say, okay, what you supposed to be doing? You always talking about the husband. So it might be something going on with you. I'm here to talk about you. I ain't here to talk about the husband. Oh, they mad then. You come to me for counseling. I'm talking to you and how you supposed to be doing the husband. I ain't talking about the husband. So we're going to talk about you today. See, a woman that talks about her husband in that way is something too that ain't right. 
in the marriage and it could be her and not the husband. So you got to get you in a place so you'll know how to deal with that husband through the word of God. It's the same thing with the husband. So what I'm saying today is when you are complete in him and you know how things supposed to be according to the word, it's easy for you to humble yourself. It's easy for you to study, to be quiet. So when we look at the husband, we're going back. The husband's supposed to love the wife just as Christ loved the church. Men, if you don't know how he loved the church, you cannot love your wife in that way. And it goes back, and this other verse, it says, I want to go to verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. We got some men that love their bodies. They think they're all of this in a bag of chips. From the time they get up to they lay down, they loving on themselves. The man who loves his the man who loves his wife loves himself. No one e- ever hates his own body, but feeds and takes care of it. You see how he's breaking it down? You want to protect your wife. You want to take care of your wife. You want to make sure your wife have everything that she needs because you're the head in that home. Come on, men! If you're gonna be the head, come on, be the head. You protecting her. You making sure that she have everything that she need in that house. You making sure your house is running the way it need to run. Y'all, I'm not bragging on my husband, but it's one sure thing I know. He makes sure we have everything we need. He makes sure there's nothing missing. There's nothing broken. He makes sure that he does everything that he need to do to make sure our family have what need to be, you know, he makes sure of all this. I don't have to worry about this. If, if he go out somewhere, the first thing he say, what do you want to eat? He don't even ask me to cook. Now, I do. I do. I make sure my husband have what he needs for his food. But he'll tell me sometime, don't cook today. We'll, we'll eat this. Now, since there's no children in the house, man, come on with it. Come on with it. No kids in the house. We can stop here, stop there. Baby, what you want for breakfast? Baby, what you want for lunch? Baby, what you want for dinner? I'm going to cook you some dinner, baby. The day go by. You want to go out and eat? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You don't have them churn no more. Come on, you feel freer that you don't have the churn no more. You can have that. Some single people say, I'm free already. I don't have them either. I have nobody but me. But anyway, so that man makes sure she have. Come on, y'all. When you got a man that protects you, that makes sure. I, I Thank you, Holy Spirit. I have to remember this. And I have to apologize to my husband. I fell here one day. Did anybody remember when I fell? My husband was there to help me up. And I wasn't hurt, so I was going to pop up on my own. I was like, I got it. I got it. I'm okay. My husband blessed me out, y'all. He blessed me out. He said, I'm your husband. I'm like, I know you're my husband, honey, but I was okay. I could get up on my... It don't make no difference if you can get up on your own. I'm your husband, and if you fall, I'm going to pick you up. And I'm like, wait a minute, honey. I'm trying to tell you I... I'm your husband. You cannot tell me no different. And if you fall, I'm going to be the first one to pick. Okay. That's a protector. When I'm ministering, he follow me foot by foot. I back up. I'm like, oh, shoot them your feet. He's everywhere I go. He's right there. He's protecting me. He's watching over me. He's looking to make sure everything is the way it need to be. Come on. He's right there for me. When you see him, you see me. Sometimes. 
Because I don't drive all over the place. I just sit home and I, he, you, I figured it out. I figured it out. He'd rather leave me in this Bible so he can come home to a good thing. And he going on about his business and he come home to a good thing because he know I've been in the word. But if he come home and the word ain't in front of me and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why anything got to be wrong with me? You say you was going so-and-so. You ain't been so-and-so. <laughs> but anyway, that's a good man. He's a protector. He watches over his wife. He don't let anybody talk to his wife any kind of way. I'm getting to how a man will love his wife just as Christ loved the church. I had somebody, a, a person I was paying um, some money to over the phone, and this man, he cut through me, y'all. But thank God for God. I just humbled myself, and I, I took it because of the grace of God, and I did what I needed to do. But when I told this man, okay, this man told the lady that worked at the place, If he want to keep his business, he don't need to be talking to nobody like that. Not my wife. He's a protector. Men, you're supposed to protect what belongs to... Oh, let me me go somewhere. Your lawnmowers, you protect them. Your cars, you protect them. If you got some cars and, and you ran them up with them... The Mustangs, it ain't sounding quite right. You want to make sure that car is right. You want to make sure it's looking good. You wiping on that car. Anything that you have that representing you, you want to make sure it look good. Your wife is above all of that. Come on, when she ain't sounding right, you want to stop. You want to say, wait a minute, baby. What's going on with you today? Nothing. Oh, yes, it is. Come on, let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's see what God got to say about it because something ain't right with you. Come on, you want to know what's going on with your wife. You don't want to be a man that's always trying to get from that wife so you can look good. No, 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 no. The Bible says just as you love yourself, your body, just how you take care of your body, you should take care of your wife. And you should do without to make sure your wife have. If you ain't got number one piece of pork chop, will it? You're supposed to say, baby, I'm hungry. But if you want this pork chop, you can have it. Just like when somebody come to your house and you cook a steak and a baked potato. And it's so good and you done fix your wife one. Now, Willie will cook his wife's steak and baked potato. Call him on Monday. They're going to have steak and baked potato. And he, gonna, he know how his wife. Let me tell y'all something about Willie. Willie didn't want to do a skit, but I'm going to get Willie. He know his wife. He know her so well, y'all. He know how she likes her food. So Willie go to these restaurants and for some reason, Willie don't check his food all the time. But he tell them, burn it. She ain't going to eat it not unless you burn it. He go home and it ain't burnt. So he know he better not come in that house if the meat ain't burnt. So what Willie do, he'll stop somewhere. He'll warm it up just like it's supposed to be. He'll bring it to his wife and she eat it thinking that it was like it's supposed to be, but Willie fixed it. <laughs> One day we went out. See, he loved his wife because he know what she want. One day we went out and Willie wanted to come eat with me and my husband one day. And 
He said, I'm going to come eat with you. I'm supposed to cook my wife a steak. I said, well, cook your wife a steak, Willie. He said, okay. So we got at the table. I said, Willie, did you cook the steak? Mm -hmm." I picked up one. And I put it in, now check this out. I put it in the microwave with a potato. I said, you left a potato in the microwave? Now that's going to be terrible. He gave it to his wife. Sister Nice tried to chew it. (laughs) Tried to do the best she could with that steak. What you say, Sister Nice? He tried to manipulate. Christ don't manipulate. Because he wanted to go eat with us, but he still wanted to make sure his wife had what she needed. Come on, y'all. Men, you supposed to love your wives just as Christ loved the church. You're supposed to cherish her. She's supposed to be a jewel to you. You don't let anybody come at her the wrong way, not even your daddy and your mama. That's my wife. You don't speak to her in that manner. I remember um, my dad, we was having a meeting in the church, and my dad was sitting there, and, and doing the meeting, daddy had said something uh, after I had said something. And daddy, is the way daddy said it. You know what my husband did? He said, can I see you for a second? He took my daddy in the office. Yes, he did. Because he didn't like how he sounded towards me. Because guess what? We was conducting business in the church. And he knew, I know her position. I know who she represents. And he said it in a loving way to my daddy. You know what my daddy came and told me? I respect that. He said, forgive me for how I sounded. Wait a minute, y'all. Come on, men. Come on, men. When you love your wife and you cherish your wife, you dare to protect your wife. You, you, you making sure she have everything that she need. Why? Because you know how Christ loved the church. He laid down how he felt. He laid everything down, even though he knew that he did not commit sin. Come on, men. When you know that you are not wrong, you still supposed to humble yourself and be Christ-like to let that wife know you've been with him. And women, it's the same way with you. Come on, when you're with Jesus and you're being intimate with Jesus, you want to make sure that you're lining up with him the way he wants things to be. So when you come to with your husband, come on, you're going to treat him just like you treat the Lord in a loving way. So this is telling us how it's supposed to be. Y'all ain't got to the sex yet. I'm going to get there. Verse 29. No one ever hates his own body. The man who loves the man who loves his wife loves himself, for no one hates his own body, but feeds and takes care of it. And that is what Christ does for the church, because we are parts, we're members of his body. And then it says, listen at this, the scripture says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother to be united, joined with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So Paul goes on to say, this secret mystery is very important. I am talking about Christ in the church. But however, in any case, to sum it up, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And a wife must respect her husband. Wives, we can respect our husbands when they love us the way Christ loved the church. But what if that husband is not loving you the way Christ loved the church? You still show reverence to that husband in a loving way. And the next scripture tell us why. Go to 1 Peter 3 1. 
Somebody said, that's hard. There's nothing too hard for God. He'll show you how to love that husband. He'll show you what to say and, and show you what not to say. Some things, nothing need to be said. First Peter 3, 1. In the same way, what is Peter talking about? He just talked about how authority should be in chapter 2. So he's going on. You wives should yield. Be subject to your husband. Saying the same thing. Put in the other person's interest first um, to your husband's. Then if some husbands do not obey or believe God's teaching, they will be persuaded to believe one over gain without anyone saying a word to them. So what is this saying, women? Everything don't need a word. Women, we don't need to be nagging. We don't need to be preaching to them. We just need to show them love. We need to respect them as being the head. Some men are not respected as being head of a home because some women think, I'm the one going to church. I'm the one serving God. I'm the one doing this. But when you make a belittle a man and make him feel like a little nothing, that's not showing, that's not winning him over to Christ. You want to encourage that man. You want to say, baby, you can do that. You know, you could do that. Baby, you can handle that. And even if he don't know how to handle it, you need to sit down and you need to show him in love. Baby, let me show you this way. Now, sometimes you have pride for men. You know, that pride uh, have a man to fall because they don't want no woman showing them nothing. Don't get entangled up with a prideful man. If you're dating that man and he's showing his pride and showing how he can, he's talking about him all the time, back up off of him. Say, Lord, I'm not ready for this. And let the Lord work in that. But women, we're supposed to humble ourselves. We don't do them like they do us. Sometimes we don't have to say nothing. It's best to say nothing than to say something at all. So we learn about how we're supposed to submit, and it's a lot more, y'all, but I'm trying to get through the whole thing, not keeping you long, because now it's 12 o'clock, Jesus. So we're trying to get through everything, and I want to, we learn about submission, how we're supposed to submit, submit to one another, submit to one another. It ain't men trying to dominate a woman. You know, I'm priest of this home. You're going to do what I say. That's not how the Bible does it. A woman has no problem doing what her husband is saying if she's in the word. She's going to follow the word, the truth. This, Come on, go back to the beginning. It's right there in Genesis. Now, know what Evenum did in Genesis after three, after the fall. Now we're going to get to the children. We go to Genesis four. That's when the Bible say, and Adam knew Eve. That's where I'm going. Adam knew Eve because they were married. Can anybody say that for me? They were married. That's called intercourse. We're getting to the part that y'all might not like women. Okay. So it said Adam knew Eve. They came together. Guess what happened? This is what happens in a marriage, y'all. God did not create sex outside of marriage. Whoever told you that, that's a lie. In today's society, people that's living together, they're saying we're already married, not in God's eyes. This is why you need to know how God orchestrated marriage, how he instituted marriage. He instituted it to be one, a coming together, a union as one. Marriage um, was instituted before anything, government and everything. So y'all know how strong marriage is, and that's why the enemy want to break up the family. So he knew Eve, and as he knew Eve, that's when they began to have children. But guess what? They were already set up of how things should be, y'all. They already knew how God established things and how things should be. 
Adam and Eve knew this. Even though sin was upon the earth, they were raising their children based upon what they knew. You can tell through Cain and Abel. They had to get it from their mother and father. They were not unequally yoked. Adam and Eve were not unequally yoked. God brought them together. I want to read y'all something dealing with the marriage. And this is how God had me to set it up when I marry people. Y'all know in some books that they have created, like uh, preachers read out of, you got to be careful what you read if it's not lining up with the word of God. Everything that's done should be done according to the word of God. So when I marry two individuals, I'm going back to the submitting. I'm going back to everything that I have done. Let's say that couple is ready to be married. You do not have sex to after you're married. You do not have sex to after you're married. I'm going to say it again. That's not the way that God set it up. That's not the way he set it up. Now, this is what, what happens in a marriage. This is what the minister says. And this is how God had me to orchestrate it. Minister to the groom. I'm going to use Willie and Denise. Willie, will you take Denise to be your wife as your own flesh? Okay, hold on a second. I ain't told you to say I will for nothing yet. <laughs> Let me tell you why. I looked at you, but I stopped. Let me tell you why, y'all. We're saying I will and I do and don't know what we're saying I will and I do too. Because we're making marriage as I'm looking good that day. Everybody's looking at me. I'm the bride. I got that man now. And you inviting people that you know been with that man to show them, look at me. He chose me. So, but you don't understand the vows. That's why you need counseling before marriage to know what marriage is before you go into marriage. You do not. These, some ministers are marrying people. It's a holy matrimony. It's what God has instituted. How can you sit up there ministers and marry two sinners? And you're supposed to know what the word is saying. What minister marries two sinners? Outside of what the word says. That sinner cannot love his wife as Christ. See where it's messed up at? It's a holy matrimony. It's what God has instituted. So you don't get up there and marry somebody because they're saying they're ready to be married outside of what the word says. Listen what it says. Will it wait that finish? Willie, will you take Denise to be your wife as your own flesh? Let's stop right there. Do you know what own flesh mean? I just went over it. Okay, you got to know what these terms mean before you say, I do or I will. Will you love her even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it to protect her, to be faithful to her, to care for her in sickness and in health, richer or poor, in good times and bad times, and forsaken all others for the rest of your life? He ain't answered. He's sitting there still thinking about it. He said, yeah, I would, yes. You see how all of this reflects the, what we went over. Everything I asked him is what we went over. Do he understand what this means? You taking her as one flesh. It ain't about you no more, baby. No, it ain't. It ain't about you no more. Listen at what it's saying. Will you love her even as Christ loved the church? 
How can a man really answer that if he don't know how Christ loved the church? He ain't doing nothing but saying I do to something he don't know nothing about. I do to something he don't know nothing about. I do to something he don't know nothing about. So how can that marriage last? Listen up for the woman. Denise, do you take Willie as your husband, submitting yourself to him as unto the Lord? Now, let me tell you what I did. Before I married this man, I ain't ashamed to say it because I ain't know nothing about that part. I went to that minister. I said, listen here, I'm hearing vows, but I'm hearing something that I don't like. Why obey in mine and ain't in his? I said, you take obey out of mine. I was ignorant. The obey means to submit. Just what the word says. He was quoting the word, but he did what I said. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Do you take Willie as your husband, submitting yourself to him as unto the Lord, showing reference to him as the head of the union, and sickness and in health, richer for poor, to be faithful to him in good times and bad times, and forsaking all others for the rest of your lives. That's why all of this need to be gone over, just like we're in this conference, to know how marriage supposed to be, so you're not getting up there saying, I do, to what you know you're not going to do. Give you another example of these marriage vows. Like I told you how I was raised with my grandfather grandfather and grandmother. And I saw all of this in the home. Both of them represented this. When one was down, the other one was there to build that one up. When my grandmother was on her deathbed, my granddaddy was beside her. And he was telling her, he said, you have two choices, Louise. He said, you can believe God or you can believe the doctor. But if you're going to believe the doctor, then that's who you need to believe. But if you're going to believe God, you need to believe God. The choice is yours. You tell me what you want to do, and I'm going to be there for you. She said, I want to believe God. When she told my grandfather she wanted to believe God, Grenada began to read the word to her, healing scriptures to her. He began to sing songs referring to healing to my grandmother. My grandmother's lips was blue. She was on her deathbed. I'll never forget it. When Granetti stayed in that room singing to her beside her side, next thing I know, my little grandmama come out of there walking. My grandmama come out of there praising God. Why? Two. When two come together as one, it puts death to flight. Because life is coming in the midst of the picture. What was Granetti doing? It For better or for worse? That was a worse time for them. But he was there in the worst time. And sickness and in health. He was there when she was sick. And look at the help that come in the picture. Y'all, I'm telling you, this is how marriage supposed to be. So my dad, as a young man, lost his wife, my mom. At a young age, she was 22 when she died. Daddy was 23 when he lost her and he had two girls. But my daddy at a young age did not leave my mother's side. He was there with her all the time through the pain, through everything she went through. Daddy was there. He was taking her around even when she was going through. She was still teaching people that God was a healer. Even in her state, she was teaching people what the word of God was saying. And daddy was carrying her from those to those places. Daddy even come off his job to take care of her. And they told my daddy, the doctor say, put her away into a home because she, she's not going to live but so long. This is what we're going to do to her. Daddy said, you're not doing that to my wife. So we had her, but she died. 
Then my stepmother that that died years ago. Y'all, I'm not going to lie to y'all. Daddy took care of her so well, they thought that daddy was her caretaker. But he was her husband. He took her to a hair appointments. He took her to a doctor's appointments. He fed her. He cooked for her. He made sure that he was there by her side to make sure she had everything that she needed. Daddy, when she got so um, down and out, he would call me. He said, I'm not going to make it to church today. He said, I'm going to be here with her. I'm going to be taking care of her. He up 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. When she was up, he was up. And my daddy would not even let us help him. He said, because that's my wife. The day that he called us to help him was when she was in the hospital and daddy was going home to, she told him to go ahead home. I'll be all right. You know, bring my phone back with you. She was praising God. She said, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Skeet. And she was just praising God for what God had done. So daddy left. When daddy left, he told us, he said, um, y'all can go on down there. And I felt like daddy knew she was going to leave that day. When we went down there, they had already coded her. So we had to call daddy and let him know what was going on. But he already knew. But daddy knew I'd done everything that the word told me to do. In sickness and in health. And richer and poor. Unto death do us part. He'd done what the word told him to do. Daddy laid down his life for his wife. He didn't let you talk to her any kind of way. Whatever she wanted to eat, he would eat it even though he didn't want it to eat it. He ate it because he wanted to make sure that she had what she needed. He wouldn't leave the house but for so long because he didn't want to leave her by herself for such a long time. That's what marriage is about. And when you say these vows, this is what you're supposed to say because it's a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. It's not a contract saying you didn't do this so I don't want you no more. It's not a contract saying you gain weight. I want a skinnier person. It's not about just divorcing them because they're not what you married. Marriage is not a contract, it's a covenant, it's an agreement, it's what you have committed to outside of how you feel, outside of what it looked like, outside of what they say. That's my husband, that's my wife, unto death do us part. I took vows, not unto you, but unto God, because it's a covenant. So when you don't know these vows and what they mean, why do you stand? Why would a preacher... A pastor marry you. I know a pastor who married a drunk man to a woman. They told me the man showed up drunk. And they still married him. Who does that? That means that pastor don't honor God. Now listen at these other vows. Now they tell you to join hands now. Y'all remember this part? For each other and join hands and repeat after me. This is the groom. I willy, according to the word of God, leave my father and mother. And I join myself unto you to be husband to you. From this moment forward, we shall be one whom God has joined together. Let no one separate. That's why the words say whom God has joined together. Let no man put asunder. That means marriage is adjoining it's a oneness it is what god instituted that's what you got to keep before you so don't just get up there and say i do and you really don't don't get up there women and say you're gonna submit and you ain't 
just to say, I got that man now. It's more than just having a man in your bed and a woman in your bed. Because when you, oh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to stop right there. The bride, I, Denise, according to the word of God, submit myself to you to be a wife to you. From the moment forward, we shall be one whom God has joined together. Let no one separate. When you get taught the word of God, you do not have a problem. Speaking that in confidence because it's coming from your heart and you know what it means. We got some women today that don't want to cook for their husband. Don't want to clean the house. Don't want to work. Don't. And they say, that's my husband. That's my wife. The only thing you doing is allowing the enemy to come in your marriage. Because there's going to be someone else that treat that husband better than you do. There's going to be someone else that treat that wife better than the husband does. And that's when temptation come in. So we see with everything that I have taught. You do not stand before preaching. A preacher don't allow you to stand before them until you know what marriage is. That's why you need counsel. You need to get in front of somebody and get counsel. I have done counsel with a couple where they told me that's my husband. I love him. We're going to be together forever. I know that's who God is sending me. And this is why I separated the man and the woman from counseling them together. Me and my husband invited them in our home and they were so excited because they ready for marriage. Not really ready for marriage. They was ready for the bedroom. Got in there. God told me to put on my army fatigues. Y'all, I was in army clothes. Didn't understand why. After I got through with that teaching, that man said, I don't know how she getting home because I ain't taking her. She said, I ain't going home with him. I said, I tell you what, you getting up out of here. (laughs) Neither one of them wanted each other. That was only one session. So the Lord had me to split them up. Do the woman separately and do the man separately with my husband. And this is what I tell them. If anything get told in these counseling sessions, it's because you told it. So everything that you're telling me is between me, you, and God. So I'm telling you, y'all, don't just get married because you're lonely and just because you want to be with somebody. Somebody, people taking that scripture out of content that says better to marry than to burn. No, that don't work either. Now we're going to go further dealing with the coming together, the joining, and what sex is. Y'all want to go there? Some people say, come on with it. Now, we look at Adam and Eve first. Both of them was complete in who? They were complete in God. They were knowing about oneness, right? They were married so they can come together. There is not sex outside of marriage, y'all. Let's go there first. Sex outside of marriage is called, called fornification. Pornification. Fornification. But it's pornification. So, Galatians 5.19 shows you the works of the flesh. Go back and read that. And fornication and adultery is one of them. Galatians 5.19 through 20. Ephesians 5.3 is another one. But fornication and all uncleanness of covenants. Let it not be once named among you as becoming saints. If you are born again, you don't supposed to be fornicating. You don't supposed to be fornicating. It is out of the will of God. 
This is not the way that God would have for it to be. This is not the way God created it to be. First Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4 tell you about that as well. First Corinthians 6, 9 through 12 tells you about that as well. I'm going through here quickly. Now I want to talk about some things that I want y'all to be ready for a single folk. Some of y'all say, I'm not going to be with nobody until I get married. Some of y'all already have a man and he's battery operated. I'm getting deep. Some people don't talk about this in the church, but these things need to be talked about. I'm talking about it. So if you don't want to hear about it, go ahead and leave. But I have to tell you the truth. Your man cannot be battery operated. And you're changing the batteries in and out because you're not getting the same feeling you always got. You don't have battery operated men and say you're not having sex. Yes, you are. Because you're trying to find something to fulfill what you don't have. That means that your fulfillment has not been in Christ. Because if you get intimate with Christ, you ain't going to be trying to get intimate with everything else that's going to try to help you to hold out until you get a real man. Oh, y'all quiet now. See, some people don't want to hear this, but this need to be told. This have to be told. It's not battery operated. I'm going to give you an example. I, when I was, I ain't going to tell you where I was, where anyway. I had this young lady to come to me. And this young lady was telling me that she was a lesbian. Which I heard it. But I didn't spread it out because you hear a lot of things about people. Remember in the beginning, I say it's male and female, not female and female, and male and male. So she began to tell me who she was, and da-da-da-da-da-da. So as she told me, I gave her the word of God. And I said, now, she, I said, are you saved? She said, yes. I said, well, you outside the will of God gave her scriptures and everything. So she told me she was going to go home, and she was going to talk to God about it. And I'm excited. So she came back. I was so excited to hear what God told her. So she sat there and she said, God told me it was okay. I said, you didn't talk to God last night. I said, you didn't talk to my God. Then she got deep with me and she said, because I got um, my, my gadgets out there in my trunk. You want to see them? What in the world I want to see your gadgets in your trunk for? So I knew right then you done lost your forever-lasting mind. <laughs> and I told her this, do not. Tell people in this office what you told me or you're going to get hurt. The very thing I told her not to say, she thought she can openly say it. And one woman come in my office and told me if she touched me, I'm a killer. See? So what I'm saying is, if you are born again and you're waiting on your mate, get rid of your battery operated men. That's not godly. That's pornification. The reason people come up with these things is because you're watching porn. You're watching things of the world and you're watching this that people are saying. And some people in church tell you, well, it ain't no real thing. If, if that's what you do, that's between you and God. God, don't do that. He did not create that for that. Man did. And they want to say it's godly. It's, it is not. That's pornification. 
And some of us have been raised to watch porn because some dads are trying to make boys out of men and allow them to watch stuff with them thinking that they're raising them in the right way. They're not. And, and, and I'll say this. In my marriage and singles teachings, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm telling you truth. And I'm telling you what don't supposed to be. So if you're leaving out of here saying, no, she shouldn't have said all that. That's the problem in the church. People are leaving things out that need to be said because they so ashamed that people look at them differently. I don't care how you look at me. I know who I am in him and I'm going to tell you what's right and what ain't right. Some people are laughing this off and telling you it's okay. No, it is not okay. That is not okay to have battery operated men. And men, I just saw this flash before my eyes. Get rid of the dummies. The inflatable dummies. Yeah. Trying to have a woman that's inflatable. Come on, if you're having these things, even in your mind, is wrong. This is why you got to renew your mind. Being transformed according to the word. If anybody told you that was right, that is not right. And if women, if you go into marriage with a battery operated man, you done been with him and the husband ain't going to be able to satisfy you because it ain't like the battery operated man. Yep. Y'all so silent. Then there are sins that are called bestiality. Where people are having sex with animals. So when they get with the woman, they're treating the woman like an animal because that's what they used to. The Bible talks about it. I'm going to give it to you. Exodus 22, 19. Whosoever lies with the beast shall surely be put to death. Thank God for God's grace and mercy. He gave us some grace and mercy. He don't kill you right then, but you got to stand before the judgment seat. <laughs> so bestiality is a sin. You do not have sex with animals and say it's going to keep me until I get the real thing. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's in the word. These things are in the word. So why would I bring them out if they're not in the word? Why do we keep these closed up and they're in the word? Let me get another one for you. Incest. Incest is having sexual relationship with family members. It's talked about in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, is it not? Let's make sure. The dad was um, having sex with, no, was it the dad or the brother having sex with the dad's wife? Come on, we're talking about incest. Having sex with brothers and sisters, moms and dads. That's not godly. Some people try to keep this all shut up because they say it's okay. Well, if it's okay, why are you hiding it? That is... um. First Corinthians chapter five, read that Paul was addressing those issues within the church. Now, if he's addressing those issues within the church, why shouldn't they be addressed? Come on. The Bible speaks of them, but people don't want to bring them out. Incest is a sin. No, hear what people say. We fall cousins. They steal your cousin. That go way down the line. You know, they're your cousin. Well, that's my stepbrother, my stepsister, huh? Come on, incest. None of this is supposed to be happening. 
And I'll give you an example. Second Samuel 13, verse 6 to 15. You remember Amnon. Fake to be sick. To lay down with his sister. Then he threw her out the house. She was a virgin. He, did, he despised her after he raped her. Guess what? She lost her virginity, didn't she? To her own brother. So that means that men was going to look at her as being nothing. Y'all, I'm going somewhere. This is why you wait on your mate. You do not have sex outside of marriage because when everybody has had that woman, when you come together, you have had that man. You have had that woman. Because whomever you join to, getting back to join, that's who you're married to. When you join to someone outside of marriage, that's who you marry first. Whomever you were joined to before you got married, that's who you actually married. So that's why we do not have sex outside of marriage. That's why God want us to wait. He want us to wait on our mate. We don't just go jump in and out the bed with everybody. And this is what happens when a woman have sexual intercourse with different men. When she get with her husband, he will never be able to satisfy her. Because she done been with so many men. He done been with so many women. So what that husband does is not enough. Or what that wife does is not enough. Because if the husband is watching porn, he's putting his wife in the mix of that porn. And he's seeing those women and he's using his wife for what he's seeing. Come on, somebody. So this is why. And I got to use Jamie because um, Kim shared something. Jamie, look at what you're talking about. <laughs> Ain't bad, Jamie. She told me they went to a movie and this was so precious to my heart. May I use that, Jamie? That, you know what I'm talking about, Jamie? They went to a movie. They was watching a movie, and Jamie had his eyes closed. Do you know what he told his wife? See, I'm going to get to him, too, in a minute, because this is a different scene from this one. <laughs> Jamie shut his eyes when they had women if they were showing too much. You know what he told his wife? I don't want to look at them, because if I look at you, I'm going to see them. Oh, ain't that precious? That's a man. Thank you, Jamie. But let me tell you what this man did. This was, he know what I'm talking about. This was years ago, y'all. We went to a movie with my husband, me, Jeremy, his cousin, and we sitting there in Ariel. They said it was a good movie. So I'm thinking it's a good movie. So we sitting there waiting for the movie, eating our popcorn. All of a sudden, I saw these women. They were about naked. And I said, uh-uh! Get up, get up, get up. We leaving out of here. Get up, get up, get up. Why am I the only one, me and my daughter, up? I said, if you don't get up out of here, my son, my my little next son that I almost raped, they just sitting there. He told me, man, I'm getting up. You ain't got up quick enough, boy. Up out. We laugh about that to the day. Because whatever your eyes see, men, when you get with your mate, that's what you're going to visualize. That's what you want. So when you've been with so many, and when you're coming together, see, marriage is, is not, a, it's about a oneness. So when Adam and Eve came together, there were two people. But when they came together, it made one a union. That's what 
a sexual relationship between a husband and wife is. It is a oneness. And if it's a oneness, you see how my hands are? Nothing can come in between it. See? You're one. One flesh. That means men, when a woman is pursuing you. Oh, we got some naughty women out here. Church going women. They pursuing men. Trying to act holy. Trying to tell you men about Jesus. And y'all don't see that's Beelzebub. Trying to play to Jesus. Some men can be ignorant. I'm just going to say it. Can be too kind and it leads to the bedroom. So, let me tell you something. Getting back to me and my husband. You don't mind? Do you mind? I have my husband. Y'all, this is something else. Kind man. He sees somebody's side of the road, he feel like he got to stop all the time. If the Holy Ghost ain't told you to stop, you better keep it going, man. You don't stop for every woman because she's outside that road. Because they'll set you up. Set you up for the kill. And then you're going to see how I know Jesus. Anyway. Men, be careful. Because there was a woman that was sharing something with my husband. And she shouldn't have been sharing it with my husband. My husband trying to give her the word. And my husband was telling me. I said, stop right there. Pump your brakes. For one, she shouldn't have been talking to you about her husband. And y'all standing there on the outside, people can get conflicted with that. Well, I'm giving her the word. I said, hold it. Don't get caught up in that. Because if that husband saw you talking to her, he would have blamed you for having an affair with her. And then people would have said you were having an affair, even though you wasn't having an affair. And then it would have come up in this house. And if it had come up in this house, oh, how I love Jesus. I'm going to love him too. Men, you have to be careful with loose women. Because everybody that's talking about Jesus ain't about Jesus. They're about getting you. So, this is why you have to be careful who you talk to, who you, and men, if you cannot show your wives your phone, I'm going somewhere. Some of you got your phone locked. Don't want your wife to go in your phone. You don't know nothing about Jesus if your wife can't pick up your phone and unlock it. If your wife cannot go in your bank account, something's wrong. If your wife cannot go put clothes in your underwear drawer, your sock drawer, or if your wife can't go in your glove department, what are you hiding, men? Let's talk about it. Women, if your husband cannot unlock your phone, same thing. Something is wrong. You don't know Jesus. You're hiding something. It's something that you do not want them to see. So see, we're going back to being one. Everything that's mine is his. Everything that's his is mine. Because we are one. My she money is his. His he money is mine. If he get low on cash, baby, go in my purse and get it. Just let me know it's gone. 
It's no secret bank accounts. If I got two separate accounts, he got his name on it. I got mine on it. So if he go in it, I know he been in it because he's going to let me know. It's the same thing with him. It ain't having no, um, I'm working overtime in the check. Can I see your check stuff? What you want my check stuff for? You got the money. What you need to see my check stuff for? Because the Holy Ghost is telling that woman. A man working all these hours, I should eat more than chicken. A man working all these hours, <laughs> I should go out sometime. Come on, you! I'm adding it up. I know how much you make an hour. Something is missing. Oh, y'all don't want to talk, do you? Come on, we're going to be real in marriage. We're going to be real. Single people, I'm helping you. I'm helping you. Single people, if you betroth, let me tell you what betroth means. That means if you made a commitment with the man and he's going to be your mate, you're supposed to stay away from him. He's supposed to stay away from you until you get married, but you're committed to one another. So he should be able to let you know what's going on. Come on, we, we, we're going to open these doors. People don't want to open the doors. I'm still talking about oneness. Everything he has is mine. Everything I have is his. We do things together. Men, you don't supposed to be selfish and make it all about you and what you want instead of loving her the way Christ loved the church. So we're still talking about sex before marriage. There does not supposed to be any sex before marriage. That's not the way God created it to be. So let me get to this part. My last seminar years ago, Missy, remember this one. Anybody ever heard of the monkey with the banana? Monkeys eat bananas. Hmm. Did you move my bag? Denise, give me my bag. See that? She took, she took it. Now, this is what I'm going to talk about. How many picture a monkey with a banana? Monkeys eat bananas, right? She took my banana. Thank you for this. She tried to hide it. See, there's some things people try to hide, but it popped back up. A monkey eats a banana. Everybody know where I'm going. I go here in my seminars. He eat the banana because God created a monkey to eat the banana. This banana here, I'm going into oral sex. Some people say, I'm not having sex. I'm just eating a banana. God didn't create that for that. Some people are like, oh God, why did I come up with him? <laughs> All this stuff coming out. These are for monkeys. God didn't create this. Y'all know this is a banana. But he did not create a man penis to go in a woman's mouth. Hello, somebody. That is nasty. 
He didn't create it that way. And any man that tell you it's okay is because they've been watching porn and they've been seeing worldly stuff and they want to get turned on, which they were already turned on. And why they telling you they got the feeling. That's not godly. That's not what God created that for. And I'm going to give you a scripture, pray tell, that people say that go along with that. I'm going to help y'all out. I got to give you this scripture. Listen at this scripture that people use all the time. Oh my goodness, they use this all the time. It's going into, I'm going to find it, Hebrews. Hebrews, no he don't, Hebrews. Hebrews talks about the marriage bed is undefiled. Do y'all know what that means? People are saying that whatever you do in your bedroom is between you, your husband, and God. That is not what undefiled means. The marriage bed being undefiled means that it's unpolluted. There's no adultery. There's none of that stuff that's coming in your bedroom. That's what that means. The marriage bed undefiled. It does not mean that when we get behind closed doors, I can eat bananas. No. That's not what that means. God did not create that for that. He did not. But people are using those sexual acts to say, well, I'm not having sex. Yes, you are. Because people are using that as a form of sex. I'm going to find that scripture because somebody's waiting on it. I think it's Hebrews. Is it um, 13.4? Hebrews 13.4. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but homemongers and adulterers God will judge. That's what that means. The marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. Mean that it's unpolluted. There's no adultery. You're not bringing. Let me tell you what that means too. When you are married... And you come together as one, men and women. When you have an affair outside of your marriage and you come to bed with your wife, you have polluted that bed when you're going to have intercourse with your wife. You bought another woman in your bedroom. You bought adultery in your bedroom. That's why the other part of that says, homongers and adulterers, God will judge. What man that say they love Jesus, if you love Jesus, you're going to love your wife just as Christ loved the church. So what man is going to go sleep with another woman, then come into that wife bed and sleep with her and say, I love you, baby. Oh, Jesus. You know, I love you, baby. I always, but. Women, understand this. Single women. What right would you... Why would you sleep with a married man? Knowing that that man is married and you say you know Jesus. That ain't Jesus. And let me give you a pointer. If he's coming to sleep with you, you ain't going to be the only one to sleep with. If he done mess around on his wife, he's going to mess around on you too. What make you special? Because you hearing them sweet nothings. I'm going to tell you why you hearing his lies is because you don't know who you are. You have not been made complete in him because you don't know what the word of God says. 
So even a woman, you ain't going to go sleep and have an affair with a man and then come back home to your husband and act like everything is hunky-dory and everything is good. Because let me tell you something, whatever you're hiding, it's going to be revealed. Do y'all think if you're having a marital affair with a woman or a woman is having one with a man, do y'all think they're going to keep that to themselves or they're going to go to their buddies and say, let me tell you, babe, come here, come here. They're going to go to their best friend and they're going to whisper in their ear and they're going to tell you who they're sleeping with. And then that person going to tell them who you're sleeping with and then it's going to knock on your door at home and then you're going to look at your wife or your husband and lie and say they're lying and it ain't no lie. But if you're in him and you're being faithful to Christ, I'm here to tell you today, nobody have to knock on your door because God ain't going to let you sleep with any and everything to bring diseases in your house. He ain't going to let you do it. No, he ain't. No, he ain't. He's going to shut you down. Because that's how much he love you. So see, fornication... Is having sex outside of marriage. God did not orchestrate that. That's the way of the world, y'all. When sin came into the world, look how things was playing out. You have incest. You have bestiality. You have all these forms of, of sex going on and all of this stuff happening and things of that nature. That was not God. That was because of the fall. So don't let nobody tell you, no preacher tell you, when you close your bedroom door. Whatever you choose to do behind closed doors is okay. That is not okay. Oh, I'm going deep. Y'all, y'all can leave if you want to. But I'm trying to tell you the truth because there's people in the room that some men is trying to tell you, baby, it's okay for you to do me like that. No, it's not. You are not a monkey and that's not what God created that to be. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. If you need a jump start... Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost is in you, women and men. He'll jumpstart you. He'll fire you up for your mate. But not in that way. This is what happened to this young man. I was sharing this with my husband last night. It was a father trying to keep a young man from the world. So he kept him from the world. He kept him hidden. So it was the son's birthday. So he said, I'm going to take him out, you know, for his birthday. So what the father did, he took him out in town for his birthday. So as they were going in town, it was some ladies that was walking around. And he asked his father, he said, what are those? His father said, they're just geese. So they kept on walking. So on the way back out of town, his dad said, mm, I didn't get you nothing for your birthday. Son, what would you like? He said, I like a couple of those geese. <laughs> what the daddy was keeping him from, he already had the drive in him to go after it. God has created men with the drive, women. This is why you have to be so much in him that when that drive come upon you, you're going to flee it. You're going to flee fornication. You're going to remember who you are in him. You're going to remember what God like and what God dislike. And that's what you're going to like. God hates sin. So this all sex stuff that men are trying to play women with to say it's okay because they feel good behind it. What man that loves his wife is going to tell him her that is okay i love you baby it's okay that's nasty you don't do that oh it's so silent in here let's get back to it 
I don't want to miss not one. I talked about the pornography. That's material such as books or photographs that despisic ironic behavior behavior and is intended to cause sexual excitement. Some people can't get excited for one another, not unless they turn on a movie that shows other people getting it on. That's not God's way. If that's the only thing that aroused you by looking at other people so you could be with your husband or wife, you need to go check that. What are you going to tell your kids if they walked in the bedroom and that's something that mama is doing to daddy? How are you going to explain that to your child? Are you going to tell your child this is what you got to do to your husband if you want to keep him? That's not the way God created it to be. Women, that's what they call oral sex. And sometimes people can have that on the phone. Not even being in the room with that man, but be talking about what they want to do with that man. That's still sex because if you have it in your mind, it's in your heart. So you already committed the act. The next thing is, I'm going here, y'all. Men licking a woman where she don't need to be licked. God did not give you your tongue for that. Some people say, what in the world have I got myself into today? Come on, people don't want to hear this, but these are some of these acts that's carried on in the bedroom. And they're saying it's okay for this to happen. This is not the way God created it to be. These are sex acts that people think, well, we got to do. No, you don't. Any man or any woman saying, if you love me, this is what you got to do. That is not love. That's treating them like dogs. All of this stuff is not godly. This is what God does not want us to do. When you have that love and know about God's love, that intimacy, when you see your wife, you see her as pure. You see your wife as who God wants you to see her to be. Now, women, let me tell you something. If you want your husband to really see you, quit looking like grandmas all the time. Because we do it. We get comfortable wearing them gowns up to your neck and sweating and doing a lot of stuff you shouldn't be doing to make sure your husband don't mess with you. I don't care what kind of gown you got on. When he got, when, that's how God created that man. He didn't think about no gown. So we got to quit acting so old and, 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 and thinking, you know, he's going to still love me. Well, we'll get to that next section next time. It's just too much. I guess somebody said, this is just too much. I ain't come up in here for all of that. I should have charged a minimum of $100 per person to give all this. I bet I would have had some money. <laughs> but we got to know what to do and how to do it, y'all, according to the word. And these things are not according to the word of God. We don't want to get outside of the word of God. Now, we, women... You want to be a virgin that may not be in with any man. Some people say, now how in the world I'm going to do that? Knowing who you are in him. Next thing is, so we talked about, it's, it's a lot more. I'm going to stop right there because I believe some people sweating up in here. And I don't want to go too far. Some people probably sweating up in Oh, let me say this. Women that are saying they're waiting on a man. And you're using your fingers to rouse yourself up until you get the man. That's not godly. Masturbation. Not godly. 
and you're saying, I'm not having sex with nobody. I'm not, you're doing stuff outside of the will of God because that's not the way God intended for it to be. That was intended for you to come together as one. He's making one man. Because when you go be with Jesus, ain't going to be no more of that. You're going to be just like the angels. That's what the word says. You're going to be just like the angels. So we talked about single people. We talked about fornication. We talked about adultery. It's when a married woman or a married man have sex outside of the marriage that's committing adultery. And that is a sin. People do not want to talk about this. So the more time you spend with God and the more time he spend with you, you'll be able to love your husband, love your wife. You'll be able to keep yourself if you want to be kept until God send you that mate. Some people say, I ain't waiting. I get no 59. Well, you ain't been with Jesus. Things will get riled up in your life, but then you go back to the word and you get a cleansing through the word of God, not trying to make things happen on your own. Amen. It's not too late, y'all. It's never too late. That's why God is opening up the door again for this conference. The next thing is, if, you, if you're married, you do not withhold yourself from your husband. I want to read that scripture. Some of us, what we do is before we get married, we loose as a goose. So loose as a goose. Anytime, anywhere, it don't make no difference. We're just as loose as we want to be. When we get married, we close up the kitchen. <laughs> Women, hello, somebody. We close it up when we want to close it up. Matter of fact, I had this girl at, um, when I wasn't saved, and she was telling me about marriage and stuff, and she was telling me what she do when she don't want to do nothing with her husband. She told me she'd take a pad, put ketchup on it, and put it on the sink to make him think that her cycle was on so she wouldn't have to do nothing. The man figured it out. He said, you need to go get checked. (laughs) You having too many. (laughs) So when he figured that out, she would have Tylenol. You know, she would... Say she, no, she would say she had a headache all the time. So what the man did, he bought her a Tylenol. He did all he could do to be with his wife. Some of you men are doing it right now. Doing all you can do to be with your wife. You open in the door, women, for the enemy to come in. Jennifer, tell me, yes. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3 through 5. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3 through 5. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to the husband. I'm reading out the NIV. Y'all hear this? The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to the husband. The wife body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to the wife. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourself to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your, your lack of self-control. That means, women, all these fasting chains you got going on for 41 days, starting out with three days, then it goes up to uh, seven days, then it goes up to 21 days, then it goes up to 40 days. See who move in your house. You have to get consent 
from your husband. If you're going on a fast unto the Lord, you talk to your husband about that fast. And it says that you want to come together. If not, the enemy will come in. You cannot be doing all this fasting and saying you're doing it unto the Lord and you're leaving your husband out of the equation. That's not biblical, people. Same thing with the husband. You do not leave your wife out of the occasion. The husband body is the wife. The wife body is the husband. Women, you cannot make decisions outside of the husband when it comes to your body. Husbands, you can't make decisions outside of the wife when it comes to your body. Why? You are one flesh. Whatever goes on with my husband's body goes on with mine. Whatever goes on with mine goes on with his. Why? We are one flesh. Husbands, when wives are not feeling well and they're telling you they're not feeling well, you do not rape them while they're not feeling well. Because you're loving that woman. You're cherishing that woman. Husbands, when wives say no, you have to respect that no and you have to ask God what's always behind that no. That wife could have been raped. She could have been molested. And everything is coming back at her because of the things that happened in the past. But then you're saying, well, when I was dating her, she was loose as a goose. Now the enemy got you in marriage and you becoming one, you know, in Jesus Christ. So now he's filling her mind with the rape, with everything that happened to her. Now she's shutting you off. See, the enemy want to break up a marriage even through coming together sexually. So when we know what the word of God says... We have to come together as one flesh and we have to do what we do unto the Lord. So, saying all that is saying all this. I went through the undefiled, free from, um, con, 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 pure, unpolluted. That's what that is. So we want to make sure that everything we do, we do it unto the Lord and not because Oh, women, quit withholding something from your husband, sex from your husband, because he didn't do like you want him to do. Because he didn't come home when you told him to come home. Nobody else is going to withhold it from him. You're just setting yourself up for failure. So the word talks about all these things. Let me talk about divorce. Divorce. God hates divorce. That's why you got to know that you being joined, coming together as one is instituted by God, not by man. So once you go into that marriage, it's forever. You do not divorce a person just because they gain weight. You do not divorce a person. Some people say, I fell out of love with them. How can you fall out of love with somebody? I'm going to tell you how. Because when your heart become hardened towards that person because of hurt, because of something a person did or said, because that person just agitates you all the time and you don't communicate no more. Your heart becomes hard. Now you're saying we don't need to be together. We don't um, do the same things no more. He don't treat me the same way. She don't treat me the same way. She don't cook for me. She don't um, talk to me like she used to talk to me. We just don't do like we used to do. So we just need to divorce. If you are a believer... And you have come together and it's a holy matrimony. God don't do that. Divorce is not an option. The only way divorce is an option is through adultery. Because you already divorced your mate. But if you choose to stay with that mate, you forgive them and you go on. But if you choose not to stay with that mate, then you're free. 
because that mate have already freed you because they have committed adultery against you. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians seven thirty nine. A woman is bound to her husband by the law as long as he lives. If the husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she will only, provided that he is too in the Lord. Y'all hear that? So if a husband die, a woman is free to marry. Or if a woman die, the husband is free to marry. But they only marry in the Lord. You still don't marry nobody that's unequally yoked, y'all. You don't do that. Everything is in the Lord. It's the way the Lord instituted it. It's the way the Lord will have for it to be. But if a woman or man choose to stay with each other after one or the other commits adultery, then you must forgive one another because you know that Christ has forgiven you. But if you cannot forgive, guess what? It is best to let them go. But you still got to forgive either way. What they did was wrong. And let me tell you something. When you go out and commit adultery, you are hurting that other person through what you've done because you won. A divided house will not stand. The enemy want to get rid of marriage. Look at society today. You got male and male, you got female and female, and they're trying to build a family by adopting children and bringing them into the nonsense that God did not create. You got, and let me tell you what happens in marriages when you go outside of a marriage. When you go outside of a marriage, you can end up having a child through that lady that you went outside the marriage with. And then you bring in a child into a family that's not stable. A family that's outside of the will of God. What do they call children? And it sounds like you cursing. Is it bastards? What is it? What is that? Out of what? See? They call kids that. That's why they call them that. You know why? This is what happens when a woman is loose and they're going from one man to another. They're having children from different men. These children are going to have different attitudes. They're going to have different ways of thinking and different ways of doing. And then some of those children end up coming together with one another, sleeping with each other. And then people wonder why children are so tore up. Because when you have them with different men, then you bring in those men in your home. You bring in everything in that home through those children. You got your anger. You got your Everything is in that home. And things are not the way they need to be. That's why you have to raise your children up with the same mother, with the same father, having the same values. Because now when you have... Um, siblings that are not from the same people. What do you have? Rivalry. Sometimes you even have rivalry in your home when you got the same siblings. Why? It's because of the way the children are brought up. It's the way that they are raised. When they're not raised according to the ways of God, then this is what you're going to have and this is how they think their family should be. The enemy is out to destroy families because God is um, bringing everybody together as one, just like one body is symbolizing Christ coming back. Christ is coming back for his church and he want them to be one as him and the father are one. So we have to learn this oneness through the word of God. So divorce is not an option, not unless it's for adultery. It's not an option. The Bible tells us in Malachi two sixteen, 
For the Lord, the God of Israel says, I hate divorce and marital separation. And to him who covers his garment, his wife with violence. Therefore, keep a watch upon your spirit that it may be controlled by my spirit, that you deal not treacherously and faithlessly with your married mate. So this is why we have to be careful um, when it comes to separating um, from one another. When we separate from one another, it is because we allowed the enemy to come in and we did not resolve this the way God would have for us to resolve it. We're resolving it the world's way and not God's way. So we talked about divorce. We talked about actually a lot, but that's not all of it. I was trying to pull everything together just to give you a picture of how God want a marriage to be. So I'm going to tell the single, if you're single, quit looking for a mate. Get into the word of God. Hear what God's word has to say unto you. Get intimate with him. Get intimate with the word of God. And when you get those feelings of loneliness, remind yourself, I'm completing you, God. You have everything I need. Oh, and I haven't talked about money, finances. I'm trying to cover it all. When we talk about finances in a marriage, we have to understand this. Women, before you get married, you should be established. Because your mom and dad should show you how to be established. Men, it's the same way. You should know how to be established before you come together with anyone. So when you come together, I did talk about it's no longer mine, it's his, it's no longer his, it's mine. We're not hiding money from one another. We're working together in that marriage. And we're learning the principles of giving and it shall be given unto you. Good measures, pressed down, shaken together. Shall men give unto your bosom with the measure you have given, it will be given back to you. Luke 6.38. So we want to make sure that our marriage is well-rounded in him and everything we need for marriage is right here in the word of God. If you having conflicts in your marriage and you can't agree, the word of God will help you agree. One or the other need to humble themselves up under the mighty hand of God and he would exalt you in due season. Go to him instead of coming against each other. Kick the devil out of your house. Let the devil know you don't run nothing up in here. We are one in him. We are joined unto the Lord. We are one spirit with him. As he is, so are we in this world. So when you know all of these things, you don't allow the devil to come in and divide your house. A divided house will not stand. And we need another session because, y'all, it's a lot more. But I wanted to get the basic in on um, different topics to let you know, don't rush into marriage. Don't rush into marriage. Like I said, you can work out these conflicts, but you got to have somebody to humble themselves. You can't be the one that's given word for word. You have to be the one to humble yourself and do like God wants you to do, women, so you can win over your husband with the word. And sometimes you don't have to say nothing to win them over. Amen? Last thing, I have to share this with you. In a conflict, me and my husband had one, and I shared this with Miracle Temple. And I felt like I was right. He felt like he was right. But what both of us did, he went one way, I went the other. He shut off, I shut off. And I got in there with God, I talked about that man. Y'all, I did. I talked about him with God, and God told me, he said, go apologize. I said, excuse me. Why should I apologize? I didn't do nothing wrong. He wrong. He said, you go apologize. Regardless if he apologize or not, you go apologize. I said, okay. But in my mind, 
I'm saying, but I'm going to tell And the Lord said, keep your butt out of it. I said, dang it. So I went and apologized. And I never forget when I told him I was sorry, he did not apologize. So I had to go right back to God. See, God will fix you. I went back to him. I said, God, he did not apologize. He said, it's not about what he do or what he doesn't do. It's about what I'm telling you to do. That's on him. That's not on you. You humbled yourself. The next day, he apologized. Then there was another incident. When I first started out in ministry, I wanted to make sure that I was doing what I needed to do for the Lord, y'all. And my husband is so good because he would let me spend time in the word of God. And y'all, that's why you have to remember who you connected with. He would let me spend time in the word of God. And I did what I supposed to do, or at least what I thought I was supposed to do. I cooked, I cleaned, I took care of the children. But when I got into the word, I was in the word. But the Holy Ghost was telling me, spend time with your husband. I said, I rebuke you, devil. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, you devil. So I get back in my word again. And I'm excited about the word. And I'm flipping through the word, staying up late at night with the word. And I'm hearing it again. Spend time with your husband. Get out of here, devil. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Kept saying it. One day, I got up. My husband left me a note. It wasn't no note. It was about a three-page note. Whoa. So I had to go to Bible study that night and teach Bible study. So I pulled over to read the note. Oh, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He know I got to feed these people. He know, he know I got to feed these people. I was fussing with the Lord. He know, he know. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit kicked in and he said, get your priorities in order. Now, before the Holy Spirit kicked in, I called him. I put a piece on him and I was on my way to church. I said, how dare you leave me a note? You know I'm trying to teach these people and you know I need to be in this word. You know what that man told me? He made it worse, y'all. Manda, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you or anything. I just wanted you to know how I feel. Uh-huh. Click up. <laughs> oh, didn't the Holy Spirit get me before I could take off, y'all? I'm crying. Before I can take off, the Holy Spirit said, get your priorities in order. He said, it's me first, your husband, your children, and then the church. From that day forward, my husband is a witness. My priorities was in order. I had to fulfill all my needs when it come to my husband. He wanted that companionship where we can talk. He didn't want me up late at night and he going to sleep and I'm up and I'm not talking to him. I'm not having a conversation with him. That is not in alignment with the word of God. So when the Lord told me how to do it, that's what I done, y'all. So God raised me in a way. To root up and tear down the strongholds off of his people. And you got to get to the root to get to the, the root or to the tutor. When you get to the root of whatever's going on in your life, you exposing it. And you getting rid of it. So the Lord took me through all of these areas so I can show people. And y'all, I am young. And some people say, you so young. How, you, how can you tell me about marriage? I had one seminar, and this man said, I've been married 23 years, and I learned more in this session than I knew for 23 years. Why? Because it's the word. The word, people, is the only thing that's going to keep you in your marriage. So if you're not doing things according to the word, you're going to have a broken marriage. And that marriage is going to be out of alignment, 
And you're going to be trying to make something work that's never going to work. The only way marriages is going to work is through the word of God. And we have to line up with doing it his way, the way he intended for it to be and not the way we think it need to be. And like I say, it's a lot more, but I want to get in a little bit of everything. And it goes back to Genesis. Marriage is for oneness. He wants us to be as one, just as he and the father is one. And the only way you can do that is coming to know who you are now that you are in him. It's not about us. It's all about him. So women ask God, what would you have for me to do in this marriage? Men asked him, what would you have for me to do in this marriage? And we do according to him as single folks spend time with him and say, Lord, I believe I'm ready to get married, but you know better than I know. So help me to wait on my mate. Do not jump in a relationship with a man or with a woman because you've been hurt by family or you never had a father figure in your life. So you're using that man as a father. You're using that man as a boyfriend. You're using that man as a lover because you never really had that father in your life. And men with children, show them how to be that father figure as unto the Lord. Show them how to love a wife by them seeing you love your wife. Wife, show your daughter how to love a husband. That's how it works in a family. You can't show them something you do not know yourself. Amen? So we give God glory for this session. And I want to say those that want to sign up again for another session, please see Sister Denise on the other sessions that we're going to have because we're going to have more things in these sessions, but we couldn't do it all at once. So we're going to have more demonstrations in these sessions so people will know, you know, marriage is for life. So don't just get married because you want to look beautiful on that day. Don't, oh, don't get married because you want a man to take care of you. Don't get married because you want a woman to take care of you because she have a good job or he have a good job. Don't get married because you want to marry them so nobody else won't marry them first. Don't get married because you got pregnant. Yeah. Some people get married because older people tell you, now you got to marry them because you're pregnant. You don't want to bring a child into the world with everything going on in between you and that man. So don't do things because people tell you to do things. Do it because this is what God wants. Amen. We're going to go over some more, y'all. We're going to hit that Old Testament, bring it into the new. And it's going to help all of us. Because even through me going back through these teachings, I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me to be a better wife. Oh, Jesus, help me to keep my mouth shut when I need to keep my mouth shut. Oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. I don't want to be a Jezebel no more. Y'all, I used to be a Jezebel. Badly. I did. And the Lord told me how to handle Jezzy, too. And I handled Jezzy right well. So don't mess up a good thing because you think you know and don't know everything. And men, please learn how to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Don't put everything on her. Work her um, to death and you enjoying all the benefits. A good man would say, baby, I'm going to take care of you. It's my job to take care of you. I'm going to bring in the bacon and it's up to you to cook it up and distribute it. Come on, we work together. Oh, and in your giving, the first thing you have to learn is giving unto the Lord. When you give unto the Lord, you ain't going to have a problem with giving unto nobody else.
So the problem in marriages is you ain't even giving tithe to the Lord. So you're going to have a problem giving it to anybody else. Last thing. Sister Denise over there in the corner with her and Brother Willie. I remember when I first met Sister Denise, she was on fire for the Lord. And she wanted to give to the Lord because she was a giver. And she would come to me and she said, my husband, he, he, he don't let me pay tithes. And I want to pay my tithes. But, you know, he's in charge of the money. And he, he want to make sure everything is paid. And my instructions to Sister Denise was, well, do he give you money? She said, yes. I said, pay tithes off that. She did what God told her to do. And look who's sitting by her today. Willie. Pray for us with Willie. (laughs) Willie is here today because she followed God's instructions. And then Willie began to pay tithes. They have nothing missing, nothing broken. But she had to do it God's way. She submitted unto him. But she still submitted unto God because she still had money in her hands. So when we give to God first, guess what? The blessing is already put upon that house. But when you're taken away from God, guess what? You're taken away from your house. And when a man loves his husband, he want when a man loves his husband. Oh, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. When a man loves his wife, he ain't going to take nothing from his wife. He's going to make sure she get the last crumb from the table. Sometimes me and my husband fight. No, you eat it. No, you eat it. Eat that food, boy. I don't want it. You eat it. So we do that. If I have, we bought some food from a restaurant and I have fixed me something. I have fixed him something. So my husband said, I need to eat a sandwich before I go out and work. So I said, okay. So I remember what I had bought for myself. I gave it to him. I said, you eat it. He said, thank you. Every time I fix him something, he said, thank you. I said, honey, you don't have to thank me. He said, yes, I do. So the Lord said, quit telling him that because he's so appreciative at you making sure he have what he need. My husband know me. I know his needs. He know mine. So when I go in the store, I know what my husband needs. So he always say, well, you know, I need this. Well, won't you go buy it? We get like that sometimes. But a man still need to know that if something go on with that wife, he know how to pick it up for himself too. That's what I'm saying too. Men don't be so crippled that you can't go buy your deodorant. You can't go buy your underwear. You can't go buy your toothpaste. You can't go buy nothing. Not, hey, honey, I'm out of this. Hey, babe, um, how far is the store from you? Not being funny, but um, you can go pick it up, can't you? I'm in the middle of something right now. We have that understanding. So when something get out in the house, who did the men come to? Why y'all come to them wives? Some men don't go to them wives. They know not to. They go ahead and pick it up. So we work together, y'all. So I pray that y'all enjoyed this conference. I pray that it transformed your lives and um, it changed your way of thinking concerning marriage. But before you leave, we have tickets. We have drawings that we have. to give away t-shirts, to give away this bag that's full of goodies, and to give away this bag. And I want to do that right quick, and then you can go in the um, kitchen, and you can get a snack that we have prepared for you. And also, I'm going to have the deacon. um, We are taking donations for the conference. So whatever you want to give from your heart towards this conference, it would be fine. And I'll let Deacon Willie, is that how you have it? The ticket I have is the last three are one, six, eight, one, six, eight.
Okay, Sister Shirley, come up and get you a T-shirt. Okay, she's going to give you the T-shirt, Sister Denise. The next ticket is 166. 166. Who? Come on up, Kim, get you a T-shirt. The next ticket is 158. And if it don't have your size, you got somebody you want to give it to? 158, Brother Hayes? You want to get a T-shirt? Next ticket is 156. 156. So, Loretta, he got a T-shirt. This ticket will be for this bag over here, and it's 165. That's your bag. Then the next ticket is, I think I pulled a lot, didn't I? Okay. The grand finale, a bag full of goodies. One, one, 179. All right, Zai, you got the bag full of goodies. All right, all right. So at this time, please get with Sister Denise if you want to register for um, the continuation of this conference. And we will have our blessing by this gentleman right here, your husband. Can you stand up and bless the food for us?